passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Ladies and gentlemen, it is the WrestleMania post show. I'm John Pollock along with Wei Ting. Wei, there's a party going on. It is WrestleMania Saturday, and the entire uh, Ting community is celebrating WrestleMania. You know, the entire neighborhood is celebrating um, Bianca Belair's victory, clearly. Um, so. Excuse my microphone if you can pick up some of the music in the background. My neighbors are having a pretty loud party, but you know I don't blame them. It was a it was a big moment. Yes, that that is our um, that is our uh, stay at home order in execution here in Toronto. Pretty much, yeah. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very good, man. Listen, it's a it was a three and a half hour show, maybe three hours if you don't include the rain delay. I feel great. Well, that was going to be my first question because there have been many of these WrestleMania post shows that we have done in the past where we are going on fumes by the end of the night, much less uh, sitting down to record one of these. I think this will be the second year in a row that we talk about the length being a gigantic factor in people's enjoyment of these WrestleMania shows. And this was one that went longer than than was expected because of the uh, the rain delay that we will certainly get into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if next year, you know, with it staying one night and them fully opening up that Dallas uh, stadium, if they will feel justified to do a half a show or at least a show of this length. But I certainly hope they turn take lessons from these past couple of years and at the very least do not give us the marathon seven, eight hour shows. That does nobody any good. And uh, at the at the most, I can I can probably bear another hour, you know, provided like the matchups are hot enough. But man, this is a good length. You want to leave your crowd feeling feeling happy afterwards. There's one date announced for next year and one date announced for 2023. But 
I mean, even Stephanie McMahon this week, I mean, she acknowledged these shows got way too long and she was pretty clear she prefers the two-night format and even stated that anything can happen. So I think just the logistics, I don't think they'd want to run AT&T Stadium twice. I just think that's, um, they would want to avoid that. I think it's going to be a struggle to fill that place just for one night. Um, But certainly you can look at this. The other side of it is, Okay, do we sacrifice? Okay, we can't sell 80,000 tickets both nights, but we're providing two nights of content on Peacock. Who's the master we're serving here? Is it necessarily a live gate or is it our streaming partner that looks at this as getting an additional night of content where we can have a big weekend and this is another um, monumental uh, event that we can position as two-night WrestleMania? Like tonight's success or this weekend's success I think will dictate that. So I, I don't look at anything as completely set in stone either, even if they're promoting it one way. I think that this has been, if anything that we've learned of the past year, it's that these can be fluid decisions. Yeah, more can be good as long as you give me enough time to digest everything. And I think splitting it up to two nights is a good way of doing it. Um, but we'll see next year. You know, everything can be can be different. So what did you sense going into uh, tonight's card in j- just in terms of the lineup today and uh, going into your show, like just I- isolating tonight, what was standing out for you? You mean uh, coming out of the show or going into the show? Going in, like what kind of was like your interest level this afternoon? I, I, I would say I was pretty interested, you know, primarily more so in, I think, the production of it all, you know, seeing the set, seeing, you know, what what the entrances were going to look like, seeing how the crowd was going to be, you know, um, sitting, uh, or how they were going to be seated, uh, or at least arranged, I mean. Um, so all of these things uh, had more of my curiosity than probably any of the matches themselves. But once the matches got going, uh, I would definitely say, I, you know what, like coming out of this, like we're just, you know, a few minutes removed. The feeling of that that I think so many of us had watching that main event was incredibly special. And it was not a feeling that really dawned on me until the two of them got into the ring and had that face off. I'd, and I, I personally, I blame my lack of interest, that, you know, uh, due to the feud and the story that that t- greatly took it down. But the moment they got back into the ring and squared off and had that pause, it all just came like f- flooding back in. Yes. Uh, shout out to the post wrestling Thunderdome. Uh, that's, that's joining us as well. So, uh, they're, they're cheering. Uh, so the, it started off and way, you know, we were talking about this and you were very skeptical. Could they do a whole one hour kickoff show without any matches? Well, way, uh, mother nature said, you know what way they're going to do 60 minutes and then some of no matches, uh, because the kickoff began and it was the panel of Kayla Braxton, Booker T, JBL, Jerry Lawler, and Peter Rosenberg. And it was largely just video packages, the panel talking. Like there was very little to this kickoff show uh, other than just kind of setting the table that, hey, fans are back and plugging all of the matches. Sonia Deville stopped by the panel and that was about it. This was as skippable a kickoff show as you could present. Very much so. I mean, I guess a place for people who haven't been watching the TV to catch the videos, the video packages, which are done really well. There yeah, this serves a purpose. I'm not saying like you like there's no point to this. For many that are not following the TV, this is your catch up on what are the programs and what, what's going on. And that's what this was for the hour. And I, I don't blame them. There should not have been a kickoff show or match on this show. It it made me wonder if the decision to t- not have the match on the kickoff was done to make that first match feel special or if it was just something that they 
didn't want to do anyway. In either case, it really worked out for them because they couldn't have had a match either way. But I, I thought, you know, with the video packages were, were, packages were really strong, in particular the, the Sasha Bianca one, where there was absolutely no mention of the tag team title feud nor Reginald at all. It was amazing. <laughs> completely was wiped amazing. out of memory. Oh, yeah. Like, it just tells you, you know, how, how little they thought about, about it themselves. Um, and we, we should also mention they slightly updated their signature off the top using yeah. some, some slightly new footage and the word together was inserted. So now it reads, then, now, together, forever. That's beautiful. We're, we're never getting out of this relationship, John. We're stuck. No, no, we're, 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 we're stuck. Um, unless either of us grow too big of a head. Um, but throughout the afternoon and into WrestleMania, I mean, lots of people were noting like the <laughs> the severe weather conditions that were beginning in Tampa. Uh, it was very overcast and then the rain started coming down. And this was uh, certainly a concern. And this ended up uh, affecting the show more so than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, the first thing that I that I really focused on was the amount of sheer luck that they have had in so many years of running outdoor stadiums. I remember when we went in 2013 to MetLife Stadium, it started raining during the kickoff, I think during a Wade Barrett mismatch, but then it just ended and it was just, it was a minor inconvenience if you were out in the crowd, but typically the ring is okay. This was their first catastrophe when it came to weather. And, you know, going back to, I guess their first outdoor one would have been in 1993, but it's amazing that they have not had a, a larger issue than what they had tonight. It's very true. The the number of outdoor shows that they've had that they haven't run into this earlier. Um, and what a year for them to actually run into it. You know, the first show in front of a crowd in a year. Uh, I guess, mother man, I, I <laughs> the amount of times I saw the tweet about God getting his revenge for backlash 2006 was um you found out the number. religious denomination of many <laughs> fans yeah yeah we did um but you know it, it, like it was almost poetic wasn't it you know you waited a whole year what's another half hour before getting another another thing thankfully it really was not that bad you know half an hour and this half hour gave us i think some of the most compelling interviews we've had on wwe tv you got a fascinating um, 20 or so minutes because, first of all, the, the main show itself begins with uh, Vince McMahon out with the entire roster on the stage, thanking the fans, welcoming them back, and welcome to WrestleMania, a very rare on-camera appearance by Vince McMahon. And then we went into the opening, which was largely just picking up from last year's bizarre open um, that I wasn't a big fan of last year and can't say I was this year where they just tried to make fun of every dramatic uh, over the top reading uh, for, for a video package. And that was, that was our opening. I didn't mind it so much, you know, um, uh, it, it just adding a, a slight bit of humor to your typical video package, which at this point they've done, you know, 36, 37 of these. So, um, and I also like that they're kind of running with the same themes as last year, you know, like last year we had half a show this year, they're giving us a full version of it, not changing too much, but you know, changing enough to make it feel fresh. And then we went into 25 minutes of improv and it was 
Michael Cole announcing to everybody that there is going to be a weather delay and we're just going to kill time, essentially. And what happened was just a procession of talent that were interviewed backstage. This was uh, like the WrestleManias of, of, of past years where there would be Sean Mooney and Gene Okerlund back to back in the locker room interviewing all these guys. And it was really interesting to watch this because it became very evident those that were up for the task of doing an impromptu promo and others who I thought really struggled to do this. And you can look at it from a modern WWE perspective of, wow, this is like a total unforeseen circumstance. And this is, this is crazy that they had to do this. And to me, like these are professional wrestlers and killing time with promos should be second nature. And it wasn't for some of these people. I think the guy that stood out the most was Kevin Owens, who cut an impassioned promo that was excellent. O- but wait. O- Owen, Owens was waiting for this moment. He's like, dude, you're giving can me I live take the microphone. Yeah. You're giving me you're giving me live airtime on WrestleMania to for me to say whatever I want without a script. Give me the microphone and let me do my thing. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I love this. I, I don't want to like Kevin Owens did a very impressive promo, but to me, like. This should be everyone should be able to do this. Like this is an aspect, but it's not one that is practiced in WWE where mm-hmm. you're not doing all those market specific promos every week and you're not you don't have that leeway of performers of past generations except for several few. But I th- I thought this was a very interesting spotlight on an aspect of the industry that was not second nature for all these people. Uh, totally agreed. Uh, so, you know, I guess if if we want to assess, you know, who did well or who didn't, I mean, certainly MVP, I thought was tremendous. And I think, you know, a clear reason why he was p- being put there. I, I thought Drew sounded pretty good. Like, I think you can really trust him in these situations to, you know, convey story while like feeling like a leader and speaking a whole lot about the fans. I thought he sounded very good. Um, we mentioned Owens, Braun Strowman. Maybe not as much. You know, he is somebody who did come through the ranks, probably not cutting too many improvised promos, or at least, you know, relying a lot more on scripted promos than, you know, having the chance to, to improvise. So I can't really say he did all that well. Shane I McMahon know- and Sarah Schreiber were just terrible together. And trying, like, it was, I guess they were the first ones, but it was extremely clunky. And then MVP and Lashley just thankfully just relieved Shane McMahon of his interview time. Um, I, I Seth- thought... Seth, Seth Rollins, Rollins was trying to be way too witty, and it was just, he was all jumbled up. I thought Seth was like, man, I thought, like, much of the problem, I thought I thought he was going to do good. Because, like, okay, well, he's not going to be scripted. This is a chance for Seth Rollins to cut, like, just a purely in-character heel promo, even if it was in character. I was wrong. Scripted or unscripted, uh, that character is just as bad. So He was, was like, trying to make comedy of, like, hyphenating him and Kevin patrick's names and stuff and just terrible yeah it was it was very bad i i will say i thought the interviewers did better than they usually do because they they actually got to think about the questions that they were asking instead of having to like regurgitate some stupid mindless you know like what what do you like what do you think of are you going to try to win tonight you know, like it was, it was actually, there was actually a bit more thought put, put into everything. And I, I do wonder how much improvisation went on there. You know, who would have shined in this environment would be um, R- Renee Young. Like this would have been in her wheelhouse to just mm-hmm. command these, these scenes with all of these performers. But um, I'm, 
I actually have not seen. I've got the WWE Network up here, and I don't think they've put up the the show yet. But I'm really curious. Oh, it's up now. It, it, it seems like the whole thing is there. I was interested to see if they'll actually there's, keep all of this. There's no way they should edit it because it is part of the story of this WrestleMania. You know, it's 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 just, and it was not embarrassing in the least. Like, well, I don't understand the the point of trying to clean everything up. Yeah, if it was a finish that was like really really awful, then okay maybe. But this was not one of those things. This was like organic, and it made for a very compelling TV. Um, yes to all those things. I will remind you of the company that we are that promoted this show. Yeah, I just think there would be. Quite a bit of outcry. I mean, I do, of course, understand them like taking out like Roddy Piper and blackface, you know, things that would uh, embarrass them. But I don't think this would be embarrassing. Wait, they edit stuff all the time. Like, I, I mean, stuff that gets, you know, they'll do like voiceovers on stuff. I mean, they will clean up tons of stuff. Like botches yeah. that they have cleaned up and stuff. It's... Yeah, well, I guess I guess this was such a long series of events, and I don't consider it enter- what is it embarrassing enough that it, it would even be a botch. If anything, I think it's a great showcase of the, the talent that you have that that are able to improvise the way that they do. Not so much embarrassing, more so just. I mean, you could look at it like from like a critical standpoint. I guess it's just like the start of your show. It's like twenty five minutes of just dead time. Um, anyway, so. That was the start of the show, a very um, interesting start with this delay. And, I mean, you look at the weather reports, it's like they there are definitely chances of rain tomorrow. Like, this potential of more rain tomorrow is is a reality. So we will see what happens with the weather. Uh, BB Rexa performed America the Beautiful. And then uh, after the break, it's Titus O'Neil and Hulk Hogan coming out as the co-hosts of WrestleMania. And uh, I saw some fan videos when Hogan grabbed the mic, there was a pretty vocal uh, amount of fans that were loudly booing Hulk Hogan. It wasn't everybody, but it was pretty audible from some of the videos that I saw. And I, I thought this was a very lengthy opening with these two. And was kind of, at this point, after this rain delay, um, this was just more time filler, it felt like. The, I mean, this was, you know, always going to be there. Um but and this maybe. was really their only segment. They were not all over the show. It was here, and then um, they were in the back for one segment. And that was about all they limited it to for at least the first night. Which is not too different from, you know, uh, past WrestleManias. I, I think the hosting role typically just means the people to come out to give the opening address. And that's what, you know, predominantly Titus did here. I thought Titus was great. Um, he came out here full of energy, even while getting rained on. And like, I thought played a great hype man for the show. The other guy, I don't think needed to be there at all. Offered nothing to the show other than I suppose his music, you know, which is like an easy pop, but man, why? Like, I I still don't really understand the reason. The other guy, man, Wade's not even going to give his name. Um, yeah, it was to me, um, Hey, what did you think of the crowd noise? You th- did you hear any like sweetening? I could like what did you think of? of I definitely saw people that were suggesting that there was uh, audio being piped in. Um, I guess I don't have the um, uh, sensitivity to be able to decipher if 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 there was piped in noise or not. I could certainly see that um, to make up for the lack of crowd that is in such a gigantic stadium. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see that as a reasonable possibility. I just can't say for sure if that was the case. 
I'm definitely leaning towards them doing it a little, you know, quite quite a mm. bit for here and there because I just simply don't think the the type of sound that we heard is capable with a smaller crowd, most of them masked. Like I I I don't a fair really, amount, yeah. Like there were a amount. lot, uh, like you could see a lot of masks. Uh, were they there. mandatory? Uh, they were th- said that you have to wear a mask inside. So well, not everybody listened. Well, it's again, what is the rule and what is enforced are sometimes different. You think things, they had but... arrows? I think they had uh, arrows. I would hope so, because that could certainly, especially when that amount of people have to leave a stadium, some arrows would probably help directing people towards specific exits. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, I would one, if, if the arrow's pointing that way, that's the direction you go in. It's, it's a pretty universal <laughs> symbol. Uh, so out came. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre to open the show for the WWE Championship. And um, I I thought it took them a little while to get going because, you know, we had talked about, man, the first match, this crowd's going to be electric. But I think the rain delay killed any of that. And it took them some time to kind of capture this audience and, you know, kind of get there. You figure it would be the opposite, too, though, don't you think? Because they waited so long. Action? If if you were out there in the rain, you I I don't know I you might have a, a different reaction to things depending on like if you were soaking wet or not. I mean, not everyone had those Samoa Joe Michael Cole ponchos to uh, to wear. That no. was my visual of the night. That was something else when they cut to those two. It was like an SNL skit. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Said it all. Uh, but once this got going, uh, I thought these two were uh, th- this turned into a very good match. Uh, it was McIntyre selling for a long time, and then he built to his comeback. Uh, McIntyre was using the Kimura, which uh, Michael Cole, we should note, was calling the show with Byron Saxton and Samoa Joe. Uh, Wrestling Inc. had reported earlier in the day that uh, Tom Phillips was off of tonight's show due to COVID protocols. So Mm, it looks like Cole, um, Cole had to call this entire show, and I would guess probably has to do the same tomorrow. Well, thankfully, it was a three-hour show and not a seven-hour show. That's true. I I wonder, uh, like, for an announcer to call a lengthy show and then come back, like, th- would you rather just do it all in once and then you crash at the end? Or would you just do pace yourself and you do, like, he was really on the air here for almost four hours. He Nothing unusual. I mean, the guy, the man's done longer shows than, than this. I mean, every Monday, the man does three hours. I guess, the, I guess the so. The crew does. Hey, what do you know about uh, Adnan Burke? Only what the, uh, the the report was. So, uh, again, it was a Wrestling Inc. that had reported that um, Adnan Burke, who is from Toronto, um, former ESPN host, uh, is set to become the new lead announcer on Raw. Uh, I've definitely asked around. Uh, I haven't been able to confirm it independently, but, I mean, that, that was Wrestling Inc.'s uh, report that he is set to begin on Monday and would be the new voice of Raw. So that's... Um, you know, Adnan Verk is like a, a significant um, hiring, like well-known in the sports world. And as I mentioned, was with ESPN for, for nine years. Has he done any wrestling? Not, no, no. I don't know. Like, I'm not familiar enough to know what his, um, what, what his like pro wrestling acumen is. But again, uh, you know, in WWE, I think it's much more about how you acclimate to that system, especially when you are a broadcaster that is had a career um, at a high level in the industry coming into a world where it's going to be very different when you have Vince McMahon producing you. And this is like raw is the ultimate pressure cooker more so than an NXT, for instance. So it always, to me, I, I weigh who is going to succeed or fail based on 
what you come into because it's going to be a drastically different experience. Uh, number one, if you're not a fan at the beginning, and I don't know, I don't know with Adnan Verk, but if you're not, you don't kind of have that kind of, um, you know, stars in your eyes when you're coming in and it's all of a sudden you're thrown into this deep end and it can become a very stressful job. And there's others that have thrived in it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll know what happens, but I'm always interested when it's someone that's come from a very successful background in, into that world and how they, how they acclimate. All the pieces here don't give me that much optimism. And it's nothing about like the talent of Adnan Verk, who I, I, I don't know really all that well, but I can assume is incredibly talented in his own right. But this is a completely different game. And man, I do think, you know, I, I wait to see it. I, I keep an open mind. But man, we've seen so many instances of this, of people outside coming in to do this job and just uh, not lasting all that long. So, man, we'll we'll see how it turns out. Um, so as the match progressed, uh, Drew McIntyre was working for the Kimura, and they were linking that back to the match with Brock Lesnar. Uh, he set up for the Claymore, but ran into a choke slam, and the audience starts chanting, "This is awesome!" So either either this was uh, d- going into the uh, the WWE Spotify list, or the crowd resurrecting my favorite chant. And uh, things are really clicking at this point. Lashley slid to the floor, avoiding a Claymore, and took a Topekon Hero. And then McIntyre escapes a hurt lock, running Lashley into the buckle. And then McIntyre goes for another Claymore and gets stopped because MVP yells something from the floor. And this was just kind of clunky. Like, what? Like I don't know if MVP should have been, like, grabbing at McIntyre or actually getting on the apron because I don't know what would have held you up so much of what he yelled at him. So it was a little awkward. It didn't really help that... Um... So it was mid Claymore, so he stopped, and then Lashley also stopped. Mm-hmm. When I think Lashley was maybe supposed to, I, I don't exactly know, but this was meant to be a pretty pivotal spot in the it, whole It led match. to the hurt lock. Like this was the yeah. key moment of the match. Lashley gets the hurt lock on. Uh, Drew McIntyre do, does the, uh, the the Bret Hart Piper spot, Bret Hart Austin, where he kicks off of the turnbuckle to flip over, but Lashley keeps the hold applied, and as he has him down on the mat. The referee calls it off, and Michael Cole made it crystal clear. Drew McIntyre did not give up. He went out cold. 18 minutes and 10 seconds, and a lot of people were surprised by this finish. I was not one of them. We talked about all the reasons. It's like Drew McIntyre winning. There are no heels on Raw other than rematches with Lashley uh, because Sheamus is done. Um, Not to say you couldn't have done it, but I'm... I was fine with this. I think this feud continues. I think this was certainly not the finality of this program because it's not like Lashley has a slew of baby faces either in the waiting. So I think you can get more out of this. My immediate thought was something like a I quit match or something where, you you know, he has to verbally submit Drew McIntyre that maybe they can revisit or something. But um, I, I thought overall good match, um, but definitely like it was uh Definitely an awkward spot to set up the hurt lock. It didn't come off that smooth to me. I thought it was a good, you know, standard WWE main event match. Um, And, you know, that's not to say it was bad, but I can say it probably wasn't all that memorable for me. There's really nothing about this match that I think uh, stands out. And and I don't really think I'll remember it, you know, come, come next year. 
But I think for an opener, it was perfectly acceptable. You know, like, uh, you know, had a grand feeling. You had Drew come out for that big first entrance. You had a significant... Uh, to me, the finish was a surprise because I think Drew, you know, so many of us just think that, okay, he didn't get his WrestleMania moment in front of a crowd last year. He's going to get it this year. Uh, but instead, they went with Bobby Lashley, who they've done a tremendous job with. So for me, this was a pleasant surprise because Lashley, you know, I, I really want to see, see, you know, have a have an extended run with this thing rather than having it just simply extinguished with a, a big moment for Drew like this. And uh, I think Drew is probably going to be way better doing the chase anyway. So it was a, a finish I didn't expect because like coming into the WrestleMania, you know, with before the Rumble, it really felt like Drew was still like the lead character, the lead babyface. And instead he loses the match, which, um, you know, w- was not something that we all saw coming. But uh, I think the right move. I think so, too. I think it's more interesting this way. I mean, the promo on Raw certainly led you to believe that Drew has to win this match. But I think you can I I like the way that the finish went with him going out cold. I mean, you really preserved the hurt lock. And I think there's a lot of mileage with Bobby Lashley as champion uh, beyond just uh, whatever it's been six weeks since he won the title. In the back, uh, Titus O'Neil is hanging out with the NWO and Bailey appears and She's just playing her over-the-top character. She wants to two-sweet them, and they're pretty much all just blowing her off, except for Sean Waltman, who does admit he's a fan and two-sweets her. It was nice of Waltman. Waltman seemed like the only decent dude here, like amongst the NWO, you know, to actually give respect to this very talented person. I don't know when they planned all this stuff with Bailey, but it really felt like they were just trying to cram her into the show without much, you know, thought um, between this and the Hall of Fame induction later. Yeah, I I could see her like potentially having a similar role tomorrow where she's just kind of thrown in as kind of this roving personality that interacts with everybody because that's kind of what she was tonight. Um, the women's tag team turmoil match. Um, let's get into it. The winning team advances to challenge Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler on Sunday. It started with Naomi and Lana against Carmella and Billy Kay. Uh if you want to see a really great video, Lana posted um, arriving at the stadium and all of the fans chanting Lana Day at her. And it was like a really cool moment that you could see legitimately moved her. It was really lovely. Uh, some really great genuine emotion. And I, you know, that seeing that video really kind of made me pay attention to her entrance here with Naomi, which uh, looked awesome. I, I love Naomi's entrance and their outfits look great. And you can, you know, feel like this was incredibly significant for her, as I'm sure it was for every performer on this show. Well, um, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the the safety precautions and following protocols. I do want to, like, make mention here that when, <laughs> when Lana went for this leaping kick, there was so much of a social distancing between her and her target. This was, <laughs> s- like, six feet minimum. And the announcers had to acknowledge this. It was just like... <laughs> complete like a different area code of where her foot was and the target well you know um good to see her practice um you know safety measures billy k did a sunset flip roll up on naomi and then carmella was behind her and propped her up with her feet holding her back up and pinned naomi in two minutes and 21 seconds this was not good Really, it was all about the entrance, I think, for at least, you know, Lana and Naomi coming out here. Um, So they at least got that. But the match itself, yeah, was not very pretty. 
And man, I it was a really man. So like they have Billy Kay doing a sunset flip and Carmella pushing off the ropes to add leverage. I just think it's such a stupid, awkward looking spot that I certainly would question doing on any sort of TV show, much less a WrestleMania where you're supposed to be really bringing out your best material. I don't think this deserved the stage. Yeah, this was, um, I mean, literally, we're recapping like two minute matches here. Uh, Carmella, or sorry, it was the Carmella and Billy Kay against Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan next. Um, Kay started the match with Morgan and then Kay knocked Riot off the apron. Uh, they went for the same double team roll up spot with Carmella using her feet, but this time the referee caught them. Uh, Morgan hit a code breaker, Riot with the senton, pinning Billy Kay in two minutes and four seconds, and then Carmella super kicked Liv Morgan before leaving also not that great no none of these were very good at the beginning ruby riot and Liv morgan against dana brooke and mandy rose brooke and rose had matching pink outfits and wore poor, sunglasses to the ring poor mandy had a slip on this giant ramp which yes was, which was not surprising due to the rain of course maybe it was a tribute to ultimo dragon yeah yeah it didn't rain for that one no um Brooke hits a blockbuster onto Ruby, and Morgan broke it up. Uh, we had Rose then scale to the top. She nearly slipped again here. And then suplexed Liv off, and Brooke landed a swanton. Brooke went for the cover, but Morgan reversed it into an inside cradle. And Greg Hamilton announced that the Riot Squad have been eliminated. And then we got the record scratch moment. <laughs> I am corrected. The Riot Squad are the winners. <laughs> Perfect summation of this tag team turmoil match so far. It's rare we have um, a correction with the words "correction" beginning at the end of it. It was pretty funny. Oh God, I you know like these these announcers they're supposed to be like so perfect that you're not supposed to think about them. They're supposed to be like robots. And so for Greg Hamilton to mess up like this on a WrestleMania, I'm sure he's. Well, He's listen, when, when it came to right. the, the broadcast team, I mean, you had the, the screw-up of all screw-ups at, like, the most important moment of the night tonight that we'll get to. Um, and then Tamina and Natalia were the last team out. Um, man, by process of elimination, I thought this one was, like, the best of the bunch, but that mm -hmm. is, um, you know. This should have been the match. Like, they could have a full match. I agreed. These. Like, I get the idea of getting all these women on, but it was, like... God, this was not for the betterment of this. Like, it was just these, to mm -hmm. like, poor throwaway matches. Uh, and then these four, they got they got under four minutes here. Um, but nothing wrong with it. Natalia teased the sharpshooter at the beginning, and that was uh, that was countered with a small package. The Riot Squad double-teamed Tamina. Uh, and then Tamina connected with a super kick. They hit the heart attack. And Natalia teased the sharpshooter again, but instead tagged Tamina so she could hit the super fly splash. And Tamina was the one that got the cover. 344, all short matches. Um, not not good. Not good as a whole. Um, that's all I can say. You know, if this was on a Raw or SmackDown, I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's just like something to set up, you know, your challengers. But because it's WrestleMania, to me, like, this should still be the showcase of your best shit. And I'm talking about the level of women's wrestling, not just in general in the world right now, but in their own company, in the WWE. It is far higher than what this tag team gauntlet match represented. And and for that reason, I mean, we, look, look at the fucking main event and then look at look at something like this. This did not, did not belong on the show. It belonged on SmackDown or Raw, and it would have been fine. But anyway, 
you know, the Riot Squad had some cool double T moves. Um, uh, Natalia and Tamina looked good, and I think tomorrow's match has a chance of being, you know, decent. Yeah, it it could be decent. Um, so we'll see. But this was, um, yeah, uh, turmoil. Seth Rollins and Cesaro followed that. Uh, Cesaro unloaded with uppercuts in the corner and landed a discus lariat dropping Rollins. Uh, the neutralizer was attempted early, and then Rollins countered it with a back body drop. Uh, early on, Cesaro went for the swing, uh, but Rollins uh, survived that. And then Rollins hit this really cool corkscrew splash as he rotated in midair coming down on Cesaro. Um, and they, they they had, like... They really gelled very well together, just very smooth with a lot of their ideas. All of it worked. Uh, Cesaro swung Rollins with a tilt-a-whirl, ending with the neutralizer for a big near fall, and then yanks Rollins off the rope to attempt another, but it's blocked, and Rollins hits a pedigree for a two-count. Rollins then struck Cesaro in the back of the neck, like uh, carrying Cross's spot, and then went for the stomp, but Cesaro thrust him up in the air, a la Randy Orton, uh, but instead of an RKO, came down and was met with an uppercut. And then Cesaro did his airplane spin, the UFO, because it was the no-arm version of the airplane spin. And as he calls for the Cesaro swing, the crowd counts along. No, he did not hit 100. He hit 23, one more than the 22 he hit the previous time that they did the counter for. And then hit the neutralizer. 11 minutes, 27 seconds. Uh, I think they could have gone even longer and I would have had no problem with that, but I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was a really entertaining match that both had. Um, I, I thought both were really strong in this. Yeah, I thought it was a very good match. I hesitate to call it a great match. You know, I really do feel like these two are capable of even better than what we got at, at here. At 18, I think we would have been gushing about this. I think 18, but I... Like, I, I thought it was really good. It was, but I, I just, I, I wish they had, I was hoping this one was going to get, um like, 20 on this show. Yeah. Well, I, to me, like, I think a lot of this match is really more so done for, more so the sports entertainment of it all. And, and the purpose of this was to really craft a great moment for Cesaro, which I thought they were absolutely successful in. You know, I, I at the end here, you saw a rare occasion of Cesaro feel, actually looking emotional. He put his head in his hand. Like, this was a big, significant moment for him. I don't think we've ever had that for Cesaro throughout his entire tenure in the WWE. He's either just been a guy in a, you know, or a guy in a tag team or like, you know, like a guy standing next to somebody else or not on the show at all. So to see this man for the first time on this stage, be the center of attention, be the center of conversation, have his music played at the end of a big match. I was really happy for him. And at the end of, end of it all, like, you know, you got to credit Seth Rollins for being the, the person who was giving enough to do the match with him and to He was really the good in the match. Like, bo- both of them were. But, like, it's, like Seth really did his part here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, you know, throughout the build, they did a good job of setting up the swing as the centerpiece of it all. Got the crowd with it. And it all worked here to give the crowd something to focus on and to make Cesaro look like a big, you know, this physical specimen that they can push now. And I just hope, like... They have follow-up plans for the guy because, you know, the promo thing is still going to be a disadvantage. And um, I just hope they continue to focus on what he does incredibly. And that's like these sort of superhuman feats. Uh, And then Vince McMahon walked down the stage and he presented him with the brass ring to put on his (laughs) finger. And then he said, welcome, 
40-year-old Cesaro, I, I, I finally get you now. You're Swiss. You're Swiss. Um, Cesaro, Cesaro was also very emotional after a win, and I thought Corey Graves did a great job kind of signifying why this was an important win and just how popular this guy is in the locker room and that mm-hmm. everyone is really celebrating this win for Cesaro. It meant uh, – I, I thought that – like little things like that to me, they, they put a win over as something more than just a win. It's something significant for the guy's career progression, whether – whether we see Cesaro moved any forward than this, I mean, again, he, this is a guy who's been on the main roster for almost nine years, and again, he's at forty. Um, yeah, was this just an idea, or is this something that will be sustained? Because it's a WrestleMania, because it's like you know, they could have given a spot like this to really anybody, and they chose to specifically give it to Cesaro. I have to think they had follow up plans for him. Uh, so you know, let's hope for the best. Kayla Braxton interviewed Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Um, I don't know why we needed this. It had no connection to anything. Um, they made their prediction for the Raw Tag Team Championship, where Roode brought up how long he's known AJ Styles and not to bet against him. And they're off to do a photo shoot with the Hall of Famers. Just an acknowledgement that, that these titles exist, I suppose, because they're not getting a match on either night. Big E came out on the stage to introduce Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Um, I, I would have liked this if it was, if we didn't know Big E was going to be here tonight, but I mean, in the whole impromptu, they just had the new day, all three of them together for an impromptu interview. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, worth using Big E here for this WrestleMania entrance for Kingston and Woods and their opponents, AJ Styles and my new favorite wrestler. (laughs) Fuck really? Omos. (laughs) He came out. In his black leather jacket, his chain, and his pants. Dude, this guy was ready to just be a... He was dressed like he was off to go bounce at the local club. Or bounce at Raw Underground. Either one. You're right. So the story of this was... the new. It it was very complicated because they put Omos in the corner... And the whole match was built around Omos getting the tag. So it was like the New Day almost had to play the heels, cutting off the ring, keeping AJ away from the guy everyone wants to see, Omos. And the New Day is preventing you from being able to get what you want. So it's uh, kind of a backwards layout here. But um, Kingston and Woods, uh, they beat down on AJ. Uh, Styles like after a long time, finally makes it and tags in Omos and the crowd's buzzing. And Woods, Xavier Woods, this was the equivalent of him like jumping at a at a brick wall and bouncing off of it. Kingston came off the top and he's just swung to the floor. Omos hits a pair of backbreakers onto them. And then Styles comes off the shoulders of Omos with a phenomenal forearm and Omos builds up to the big spot. The tree slam on Kofi. And AJ demands one foot. And he steps on top of Kofi. And one, two, three. Omos mania. Nine minutes and 47 seconds. Your new Raw Tag Team Champions. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel about this. Uh, listen, for what this was, I thought that you... Like, this was the best you were going to get out of this. Don't <laughs> screw up any of Omos's spots and have AJ work 90% of the match. This is all you could have hoped for. 
you know, to me, this was like, it, in some ways, I thought it was really refreshing because it was such an old school build for for a guy. You know, probably like, too old school because I don't think you can go far with this. It well, was fun for match number one, but you can you don't have a tag division to just have these guys run through people, and eventually there's going to be the inclination to separate these two and Omos. Like you can't you can't do this in 2021 in a singles capacity in any kind of meaningful role. So, you know, I thought they were tremendously successful in building up to the moment of Omos tagging in. And, you know, we haven't come to a conclusion about whether or not, like, how much, uh, you know, canned audio they were using. But I do genuinely feel by the time, you know, they, they, they had Omos tag in, it felt like a big moment. You know, they're really making us wait for it. And then the moment we got it, it felt like a big deal. But, man, like... They got through this match. They got through that moment of anticipation. But it's afterwards that I kind of have some concern with because wrestling fans, I think, by and large at this point, are a bit more difficult to to please than just, you know, using these types of bells and whistles and camera tricks that you used to use for Andre the Giant. Like a, a big guy doing a tree slam is not really going to cut it. Not in a world with like, you know, Brock Lesnar's and like, Walter and like you know even like they tried this with like if you go back like look at the booking of Great Khali not the comedy version but when he came in and they put him over strong against the Undertaker and yeah that first night that Judgment Day match when they did the the singles match uh, everyone was like man they booked this monster but it was like listen you can't go far with this and that was God that was fifteen years ago Um, so I certainly see the limitations of this I'll say for this just this match alone. I think this is literally the best you you could have hoped for to to get out of him. Like he he didn't screw anything up, and he did more than just like a chop, for instance, or one spot. Like he was, you know, he did he didn't drop anyone on their head. Like that's that to me was a win in this match. You know, if our bar is the great collie, I think Omos will surpass it, but certainly not the best in ring debut we had on this show. No, um, but there you go, your new Raw Tag Team Champions, and as the WWE stats noted. That there are two men that have debuted at WrestleMania and won tag team championships. Omos <laughs> and Nicholas. Can you classify Nicholas as a man? Um, he's a male. Okay. Two males. A, the American two males. Two humans. Two humans. Who have two humans. Yes. Right. Um, and then it, they did have a good like shot at the end where Styles is on the shoulders of Omos holding up his tag title. So... Uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, this is your tag division. This was the entire tag division on display. It is, yeah. And you know, like if you're gonna do a match like this with a, a cartoonish character like Omos, I think the New Day were the perfect baby faces to sell for him. Well, speaking of uh, cartoonish baby faces, Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon was next. We should al- we should also mention they announced uh, WWE 2K22. That's right. Yeah, they which, put out the uh, the trailer that's all focused around Rey Mysterio, um, front and center. Mm, uh, which, uh, which is I don't shocking. Know, I, <laughs> like, why uh, would you this, do that? You would think, like, for this to debut this trailer, that alone, I would have found some role for Rey on this show. Yeah, you would think so, but I mean, who knows what sort of communication? Maybe Rey will end up getting a push out of it because he's being pushed for the for the for the, for the uh, video game. But you know, of course, like for for people who don't remember, like two K twenty was the big catastrophe that really kind of for, forced that franchise to take a whole year off to retool it. So they picked the right a year. Lot. Uh, they certainly did they though, because like twenty like the past year would have been perfect for to launch a video game. You know, everybody staying at home. But anyway, this is, I mean, I think this is going to have to be a big return to form um, 
for for this company. So I think there's going to, going to be a lot of attention on it. I thought this I thought this game could have used maybe one other Mysterio featured prominently. Oh, he'll be in there, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so we had the the steel cage match. Jerry Lawler is brought out as the guest commentator. Uh, I assume just to tell all the uh, his one liners for stupid jokes. Uh, so he's with Cole Saxton and Samoa Joe. And before Strowman can enter the ring, Elias and Jackson Riker jump him and attack his leg with steel chair shots. And then the bell rings and Shane's got the chair attacking Braun. And then Shane McMahon in front of our very eyes morphs into Edson Barboso with those leg kicks. Uh, and then I, I don't know. He morphed into like, I don't know what with the punches uh, because those made its way here. And Strowman. Jackie uh, Chan. Yeah. Um, McMahon grabs this metal plate off of the cage. He was using that as a weapon. And Strowman's basically just selling his legs. He goes for a power slam, but the leg gives out. Uh, McMahon hits the DDT and a coast-to-coast dropkick. And then Elias and Riker are climbing one side of the cage as Shane's trying to climb over. Strowman crashes into the cage and brings Shane back down. And they fight on top of the cage. There are these buckets that are positioned on each corner of the cage and inside is a, a toolbox, of course. And Shane grabs this toolbox. <laughs> I swear to God, this, the only reason I can imagine this was for Lawler's line to say that he, he used the toolbox on this tool. I, I think that was a Jerry Lawler improvised, um, you know, only from the true wit of uh, Jerry Lawler. I think he, what you get. He had his WrestleMania zingers out tonight because on the panel, as the rain was starting, he said, I'm not a fan of rain. I'm a fan of hail. All hail the king. <laughs> Dude, but he says it in like he delivers these and it's not with a smirk. It's like he says it and then it's like he sits back and it's like react. It's way fun. pretty good, huh? It was, it was really funny just hearing you repeat it, and I guarantee you, like you probably did. It was so much funnier than Lawler. <laughs> oh, well, then we got into the real comedy of this match. So, Braun survives the tool attack, and they go back onto the top of the cage. And I swear, Strowman yells, "Who's stupid now?" And he launches Shane off the cage. And down onto the canvas, a very um, uh, controlled fall by Shane. And then Strowman yells, This is for every person that has ever been called stupid. And the crowd said, Yeah, we're stupid. <laughs> and he hit the power slam and he pinned Shane and stupidity prevailed. 11 minutes and 28 seconds. I'll say this. I thought they did enough stunts and stupid okay. stuff that this – it was 11 minutes. I'll never think of this match again in my life, uh, but I didn't think this – like it, it didn't go to me long enough to wear out its welcome. Um, even even late in the show, it was it was just there for me. It's uh, like I don't, I don't have anything really strong, positive, or negative to say about it. I think I will think about this match again. Uh, come December when we do our worst of the year, Ooh. and not not for the match itself because the match it was exactly what I expected. It was like the a dialogue. Blizzard. I did not know not the. This dialogue. is for every person that has ever been called stupid. <laughs> the match was like just like you know the the what is it Shane McMahon Taker Hell in a Cell where you, when you confine Shane in a space where he can't do his dives and crazy stupid spots, 
it's just a bad match, which is what we got here with a bad wrestler and a guy who, you know, like in Braun Strowman, who wasn't strong enough to be able to carry him through it. It was all building up to the stunt, which, you know, I thought for a second we were actually going to get Braun jumping off of it, you know, like with with that being the swerve. Yeah, that would have been but an awful idea. He would have wrecked his knees. But it, instead, it was 51-year-old Shane McMahon taking a hip toss off the top, which, yeah, is impressive. But, I I mean, having seen the guy just fall off from greater heights, maybe, you know, a bit of a diminishing return. I'll, I think for me, though, when when I think about this as being a candidate for the worst, I'm thinking about the feud overall. Where Shane McMahon coming into this whole thing with incredible bravado, like against the guy who everybody usually sells for in Braun Strowman as this monster. You know, like throughout the entire weeks, they were teasing us that Shane McMahon had something up his sleeve for this false confidence. Something that we were thought we thought we, we would see revealed tonight, in, whether in the form of somebody coming in to help Shane or some other surprise. He had the two bumbling fools with him. That was the source of his confidence this whole time, Elias and Jackson Riker with the chair. I can't imagine that that was the intended story. And I, by the ten- time this was over, I don't know what the intended story was. Why, like, was it just Shane McMahon wanting to be a bully to a giant, thinking somehow he was able to get away with this? What, what, what is the, what was the intent here? Payoff mania. Get on the card. The feud was bad. Um, I mean, it ended with... I mean, Braun proved... I guess Braun has proven he wasn't stupid. He outsmarted Shane. By, How did he- by Shane allowing him to choose any stipulation he wanted, and Braun chose the stipulation, Shane did not sell the fear at all, and then he ended up getting tossed off the cage. He actually didn't outsmart him at all. He used sheer brute force to peel that fence off that cage and then threw the man off himself. So there's, I think it would have at least been poetic if like Braun come up, came up with some brilliant, smart strategy that like actually allowed him to win. I don't think this was that. So I, I don't, I don't see the thread here in this story. Yeah. Like maybe. Maybe Shane could have had Elias and Riker with him, and then Braun informs them it's my constructed cage, and it's got like a roof on it, or it's an electrified fence. That would be, I guess, smart, yeah. So that was it. Uh, I did love the part where Elias and Riker were climbing the cage, and Cole's yelling, this is all legal. This is legal. Like, yeah, this is the exact concept they had in mind when they... Uh, resurrected uh, or it came up with the cage match idea was yeah anyone can climb in everyone's welcome so there you go Braun wins uh, Michael Cole then gets set to throw to a Hall of Fame video package when Bailey crashes the announcer's desk calling Cole an idiot uh, so maybe she's gonna get slimed and she threw to the video package herself and we brought out the Hall of Fame class for 2020 and I guess we'll get 2021 tomorrow night uh, everyone was there except for Jushin Thunder Liger, and uh, everyone waved. And Hulk Hogan brought his his replica title. I don't think William Shatner was there either. Or was it? Oh, that's that's right. Uh, Shatner. Uh, I think Shatner was twenty twenty. I think you're right. Yeah, Shatner okay. wasn't there as well. Um, which is too bad. They could have like done like a hologram or like beamed him in and had him address the crowd <laughs> that way. Yes. Uh, we got a promo for WrestleMania 38, 
featuring Steve Austin. I would have loved like with this, not that like, of course, use Austin if he's if he's available. But like, could could you have imagined like WrestleMania 14 with Mike Tyson and we got Bruno San Martino for the ad to plug WrestleMania in Boston? Oh, man. Is that how much time like the equivalent would be? I mean, like Bruno years? Bruno wrestled into Bruno at his last match in '87, and WrestleMania it would be way longer than that. I mean, his heyday was certainly much like more so uh, this like he lost the title uh, for the last time to well, to Grant hold on a in '77. Dude, Hulk Hogan is hosting this this WrestleMania, so well, I that's... Mean, that tells you all you need to know. It, it, I, it, it's a different qualification because like they are, you know, like they were stars at a time when wrestling was at a peak that we haven't, you know, reached since and certainly not a Bruno's time. Listen, um, it's one, like, look at these two nights as well. Like, this was not a year where they loaded up on older talent. Like, really, it, it was down to, like, you had your, your two celebrities, but Shane McMahon was pretty much the only one that would qualify as, you know, like, they're... Yeah, like they, for better or for worse, I mean, they didn't have to sell the amount of tickets that they had in a normal year. Next year, if you want to sell 80,000 tickets in Texas, um, you know, these cards aren't going to sell 80,000 tickets, in my opinion. You'll need Austin uh, presence from him. I mean, you could probably assume something with Taker. Possibly, yeah. Um, Booker T comes out. He's the guest commentator for the next match. And then we get the procession of bunnies on the way to the ring, uh, several of which lost ears. Um, I guess a Cactus Jack tribute. I saw your tweet. Very good. Very yeah, that was, that was for a select audience. Um, <laughs> and then the Miz and John Morrison, after the procession of bunnies, came out with like uh, an intentionally poorly lip synced version of Hey Hey Hop Hop. You think it was intentional? Yeah, probably. I mean, Michael Cole called out how brutal it is, so I, I think it was done on purpose to be bad. Um, and then Damien Priest comes out uh, with his Damien Priest entrance, and Bad Bunny enters on this gigantic Mack truck from outdoors that comes into the stadium with a huge fireworks display. Uh, they went all out here for Bad Bunny. You know, he is one of the attractions of this show, so absolutely he should have had... A big yeah. entrance. I mean, th- he was here for this reason, and he felt like a major star the way they presented him. Um, it is very. I watched the show on my own. It's very rare that I laugh out loud, but Bad Bunny landed this punch on the Miz and John. Well, hold on Morrison- a second, John. I thought I thought you were going to mention the rest of Bad Bunny's entrance. Oh featuring, yes, t- featuring the biggest high budget effect of them all. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, Us. they they really want to tap into the, you know that. That younger demographic, and they got it with myself and Wei Ting making uh, cameo appearances. We made it onto this WrestleMania, yes, in the form of, uh, at least our heads did. So we thank Bill, our good friend down there, for, for uh, getting our faces on this show. Yeah, th- This is the anecdotal evidence you get of a, of a celebrity crossover when I was getting like a text from someone I went to high school with saying, I'm seeing your face on WrestleMania. <laughs> How? It's... Quite the unique text. Quite the unique way to reconnect with the high school friend. So it's uh, the Miz and Morrison against Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. So Bad Bunny lands the punch on Miz. And John Morrison gives these words of encouragement to the Miz saying, Rabbits are lucky. 
And I thought it was a very good line from Morrison. Morrison uh, was really funny. I, think I thought Morrison was really funny. Yeah. Throughout this entire feud, he's been really funny, just kind of like shouting things as a sidekick, doing all the Spanish stuff. I wish I understood Spanish so I could know at least what John, is, John, John Morrison's ad libs would be. But throughout the match, like he's saying things like, so Miz like gives Bun- Bunny a boot and Morrison's like, yeah, there's your rabbit's foot or something, something like that. <laughs> That's good. Something like that. Um, and this was largely just showcasing Bad Bunny and like Miz was, you know, just going with everything. He took an arm drag, sent to the floor. Bad Bunny did a tilt-a-whirl head scissors on Miz, and the crowd's impressed with this. And then Miz cuts him off, and this is where they get get the heat on Bad Bunny as he's trying to get to Damian Priest. So he had to sell for, like, longer than you would have thought. Um, they end up getting the tag, and Priest and Bunny hit uh, Falcon Arrows. Miz and Morrison go to the floor. Priest hits a dive, and then Bad Bunny hits his high cross to the floor. Priest goes for this finisher, but it's countered with the skull-crushing finale. Bad Bunny breaks it up, and then in the spot that will probably get um, circulated everywhere, Bad Bunny hits a Canadian destroyer onto John Morrison on the floor. Michael Cole doesn't know what to call this, and Booker calls it the Bunny Destroyer. And Priest then puts Miz on his shoulders in the ring, elevates him, and Bunny comes off with a crossbody, pinning the Miz in 15 minutes and two seconds, I think for um, the entire goal of what Bad Bunny was uh, designed to accomplish, uh, the work he put into this, and then the final product. I don't know how you can look at this as anything but um, you know a very successful experiment that they did. I thought he came off well. They made him the star of the match here, and I think I did think it was 100% the right call to make it a tag match. I think that helped it a lot, having all four in there, as opposed to just Bad Bunny and Miz. 100%, yeah. I thought, you know, from a promotional, co-promotional standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, and from, you know, a WrestleMania, like, celebrity standpoint, I thought this was a home run. And I think, you know, um, unless your name is Pat McAfee, I, I don't know if anybody would have been more capable of a better celebrity integration. Somebody who clearly took this very seriously, trained a lot for it and used all of his present mainstream promotional power to help push your brand. And he delivered a good match at the end of it. So I think he was a great addition to this WrestleMania. I thought the Miz and Morrison did a tremendous job leading it. And uh, Damien Priest, you know, did a great job filling in the rest. He looked very confident on a stage like this. He looked very deserving of a spotlight like this. So I think he, you know, he benefits the most from it all. Yeah, I I've, I echo all of those sentiments. I think I thought this came off really well. Like the match was like it, it delivered in a good way. They were very smart. It was probably a very uh, meticulously laid out match, but everyone did their part. So I thought that this uh, definitely worked. And that takes us to the main event. It, I was looking at my watch. It's like, we got three hours to go, I feel like. I'm all, like, this is crazy. I'm like, don't we have a multi-man tag team match to, like, you know, in between this or something? Where's the like, concert? Yeah. Yeah. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. The second this video package started running, this was pretty much the Men in Black moment where you were supposed to forget everything that had happened Prior to tonight, the buildup meant nothing. It was she won the Royal Rumble. She challenged Sasha Banks. The match 
in three stages. That's all this was. And I mean, we did have a recent caller bring this up and it was like interesting to look at that. I think, I don't think this will work for any match, but I think if you have a match that people want to see and want it to succeed, um, providing that they don't go so far off the deep end, it's an extremely forgiving audience and one that will ultimately remember the circumstance. No one will ever think of Reginald when they look back at this match. They're only going to remember yeah. this match. And they, they had you gripped by this video package before we even got to the entrances, which were just utter superstar high quality entrances that made you feel that this is going to be an incredible presentation that we're about to see. It was the Deborah integration of Austin versus Rock for WrestleMania 17. You know, uh, it, like dominated the the build in the weeks leading up to it, but the night of completely forgotten, not mentioned at all in that that My Way video. It was exactly like that. And man, I just wish sometimes they can take things as seriously as they do from the get go, thinking about the incredible emotion leading up to this moment that they could have pulled and dragged out and exposed and promoted for weeks. But instead, um, for me, like it was not even so much like, you know, uh, the trash talking that they did after the rumble leading to to this moment. What dominated the story uh, of this match was the fact that this was for the first time two black women main eventing a WrestleMania that completely trumps any sort of scripted programming that you could have had any sort of promo uh, you could have had. And I wish they even had promos like from the two of them talking about that fact. But no, the moment that we arrived here and seeing the two of them face off and seeing the emotion on Bianca Belair's face, it immediately became to me the defining moment of this particular WrestleMania. I don't know if it'll be for, you know, coming off a of night too, but something tells me coming off of both nights on, on both uh, WrestleManias, I'm probably going to be thinking about this specific moment the most. Oh, um, I, I think it was, it's going to be the enduring moment of this, of this match was the bell ringing and the mm-hmm. two of them looking at one another. Uh, first of all, I just, like the entrances, it's, it's not like it was like the, these gigantic elaborate uh, entrances by past WrestleMania standards, but I just thought both came out and they felt like utter superstars walking out. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I understand in wrestling, you can put anybody in a main event, but I think there's uh, being put in the main event and being deserving of a main event. Um, and absolutely like the moment these two got in there and look, not even talking about the match that they delivered, but just like the level of superstardom that the two of them had, this felt right. This felt like it should have been the main event and absolutely, you know, even if it, it was, it, it enhanced week, the moment because this would not have had the same um, air of importance if this had been anywhere else on the card, this would not have mm-hmm. come across like this. If this was the opener, if this was in the middle, if this was second from the top, this, it was, they were put in this main event spot and the audience was completely on board because they wanted this to feel like a historical match because that's what they viewed this as, as soon as the match was made and they just wanted it elevated to that status. They got that. And it was pretty much in spite of a pretty lackluster build that is, ultimately not going to be remembered for this. So yeah, as Wei mentioned, the bell rings and they are both like fighting back tears. Um, it was really significant here. Like you had just set the tone that this is going to be something really special. Um, and they had a lot to live up to by that, that same, um, just the stage that they had pretty much uh, crafted for themselves. 
Bel Air gets sent to the floor, and Banks goes for the suicide dive, and Bel Air rolls through, lifts her, and then military presses her over, up the steps, and into the ring. Some of the power spots they showcased with Bel Air were spectacular. Like the the deadlifts with the verticals that she did on top of this, like they really got the strength aspect across. I really like that those parts of the match. You know, what, what really impressed me was the fact that I feel like I've seen enough of Bianca Belair to know the extent of her, I guess, you know, strength and, and her agility. But there were surprises in this match that she kept pulling out that she hadn't pulled out in the rest of her career. And um, yeah, it just kind of tells you, much like Cesaro, this is somebody who is on a superhuman level in terms of, you know, a, a, a agility and and strength and a, a completely worthy of this top spot on the biggest show of the year. Uh so Belair attempts a 450 and lands on the knees of Banks, and this gets Banks into control. She does this double springboard tornado DDT, hits a splash, and can't get the three count. She's getting frustrated. Banks uh, several times used Belair's ponytail against her, including locking up her arm while applying the bank statement. Some creative stuff. And Banks yeah. is able to shift around and eventually gets to the rope. Uh, Belair gets put in the tree of woe and Banks misses with the double knees and this time Belair hits the 450 splash but it's only a two count and Belair is just losing it she can't believe that Banks kicked out of this she goes for the kiss of death but Banks grabs the ponytail to avoid the move Belair grabs it back and whips Banks so hard with this ponytail like the snap of this thing was gigantic it was like as loud as any Walter top I've heard. Uh, and yeah. the, like maybe even louder, honestly. And the fact that this came across so well on camera, on the biggest stage of them all, and the fact that this was, I mean, I, I, I'm sure she's with people before, but I don't think it's ever made a smack this loud. I don't know how it did, but man, like you can't predict these, these like slaps and chops sometimes, but they lucked out on like possibly the loudest hair whip chop I'll, I'll probably ever hear in my life for this big stage. And after the the hair whip spot, they get into this struggle, and just out of nowhere, Bel Air lands the KOD one, two, three, and the big call is Michael Cole. Sasha Banks kicked out. She kicked out, and it's <laughs> quiet. And I'm like, did I just hear that? And I rewound it, and Michael Cole just goes silent and says. Gotta correct myself. I thought she had kicked out. I just got, I was not sure. And it's like, man, of all the calls to like, listen, I give a lot of leeway. I think this guy gets, gets a lot of negativity thrown his way, but man, like the main event of such a big match and like you watch, she was not like adjusting or any, like there was no kick out. The shoulders were glued to the mat. There was no tease of a kick out. No, I, and I think the only way you would have expected the kickout is is if you were, you know, maybe used to the, the, the pacing and the layout of a big match like this, people kicking out of each other's finishers at least once. I, I thought it was going to be a near fall. Like, I didn't feel this was going to be the finish. I like that it wasn't, you know, yeah. keeps that finisher strong and, and like, you know, delivers the moment, though, you know, like, without, yeah, okay, it might have sent this match to the next gear if they did each kick kick, kick out of it, but I thought, I think, more, you know, more important to keep a new champion's finisher strong throughout the rest of her reign, so I I forgive Cole a little bit for, like, you know, being able to uh, mistake something like that, but this is a moment I think they might go back and, and edit. This Maybe. is like, you know, scoring the, like, 
overtime winner in the game seven, like in the Stanley Cup and calling the wrong player that he saved it. No, he didn't say it. Oh no, it's 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 a goal. It's a goal. Uh I thought a really, you know, strong match between these two. I thought that this was the the highlight of the show for me, I think for most. Uh and it just felt like a superstar making performance for Bianca Belair. But I, I thought both um you know, if you want to make the the comparison to you know the three way two years ago, like I thought this this was a better match. You, this was a better match, a better presentation. Mm-hmm. This was what you wanted out of that three way. And you know, these two, I think they benefited from the fact that they were not following six hours as well. And that's mm-hmm. that's you know that's to the benefit that they did that for this. I it might have been a different situation if they had to follow six hours, but they didn't. Um, and this came off much better to me than that three way two years ago. But um, yeah, I, I just thought this was a great presentation, a great end, and it feels like you have really created a superstar in Bianca Belair. And her family I, after just jumping oh, up and down. Great. They're saying the father almost fell over the barricade. Amazing. Yeah. He almost fell over his chair when Bianca won the Rumble, and he did fall over his chair, didn't he? He almost fell over the barricade. The man just falls everywhere. Oh, nice. It was a wonderful moment. It was a wonderful moment. You know, I think so, so rarely in WrestleMania, it feels like... Um, like we have like this sort of perfect storm of like a main event with historical significance and a match that meets that level of expectation. Um, and we got that here. Um, you know, the, the feud is, is in the past because everything else was so strong. I'm not even never going to think about Reginald again in the context of this thing. I'm simply going to think about this match in this moment. Um, I thought, it was a great match with a lot of creativity and, um, you know, incredible ambition and incredible pressure. Can you imagine stepping into this? Sasha, absolutely, I understand. But, man, Bianca Belair has, like, she just, like, she's relatively new. How how long has she even been training, you know? For the fact that she was able to come out here, withstand this amount of pressure, be in tears at the start of this thing, and still, once the bell rang, deliver a pretty flawless performance where she just like had to accomplish superhuman feats of strength. That's incredible. Like that is, you know, like you put her up there immediately as like incredible performer that uh, should, should be promoted as one of your top stars. Uh, So she was incredible here. It was, she was the right person for it. She, you know, um, like, you know, delivered some great, I wish she delivered more promos, you know, like the way that we initially saw her on that, like, uh, was it Chronicle or something? I wish we had more of that. Right before the rumble. I wish we had more of that Bel Air throughout it. Um, but you know, nonetheless, like she is the right person for this. And I think for Sasha Banks, even though I wasn't very impressed by her transition to being a heel, the moment she got to this point, she absolutely, I think, um, felt like a perfect villain to play against Bianca Belair. This to me caps off just a monumental return for Sasha Banks. Everything she's done since she's come back has, has been unbelievable, including now main eventing at WrestleMania. Like she's on my list of, you know, uh, greatest female of all time of in the WWE. I mean, give me an argument, you know, I, I put her ahead of Charlotte. I put her ahead of Trish. So she cements that with a performance like this. Uh, it, it was a, a moment that I'm still kind of like, you know, like living off of the thrill of. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely be revisiting this in, in my best of at the end of the year. No, like the significance of it, the, the what they pulled off in the match. Like this will be like one of those all time remembered 
matches and title wins at, at WrestleMania. Um, I, th- I think for sure. So, um, where do you go on the show? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Um, I I can't go thumbs up on the show overall. I thought it was a. I I thought the the final thirty minutes of the show were spectacular. Um, the show, ba- the Bad Bunny thing worked out really well. I enjoyed Cesaro and Rollins for what it was. Um, I thought the the steel cage match was not much. I think the tag team turmoil match. I'm with you. I think Natalia and Tamina just in a straight up match. Uh, with one team, with the Riot Squad, you give them seven, eight minutes, that would have been a much better choice to go with. Um, I thought the Tag Team Turmoil match really dragged it down. So I'm I'm going thumbs in the middle, but it's kind of like that main event was pretty pretty goddamn great. I, I always like way to show probably more towards the main event in any sort of significant match, you know. So if I leave a, a, a show with a strong main event, I'm probably going to weigh it better. I give it maybe about a 7.2 out of 10, you know, 7 point. Yes, like, you know, mid sevens, perhaps. I think Um, we're in the same, yeah, the same range. Like that, to me, that that main event, like it's, like that's going to leave a very, very positive impression of the entire show for people. Uh, This, uh, uh, much like the Boneyard match on night one last year. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. But you know, it was. It, it, I'm, I don't watch a WrestleMania simply for the in-ring action. You know, that's to me almost a bonus. And, and maybe I expect it for certain matches, but for me, it's like the grandeur, it's the production, it's maybe more so the feeling and the storyline. You and had I all of that in that main event. Yeah, you had, had it in the opening. It. You know, like even the unpredictability of the rain delay, I thought was something special that we never had before in a WrestleMania. So it contributes to to you know making this a pretty memorable night. The forum gives this a 6.71 out of 10. At this point, we'd like to throw it to the Zoom room, and we thank all of the Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons who have joined us for this live show. So many of you guys want to get your thoughts in, and this is the time maybe we should remind everybody, uh, Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons of the Post Wrestling Cafe have access to all of our raw Dynamite and SmackDown reviews every single week. So a quick plug for that if you choose to support us at those levels. Tomorrow, we will be back for all patrons. So all patrons will get a chance to uh, join us live immediately after WrestleMania Night 2 to call in and uh, give us their thoughts. Let's start off here with Hanzi. Hanzi, what did you think of WrestleMania? Uh, I, I it exceeded my expectations. Like, I, you know, the build, I didn't really, you know, obviously I called into your show a couple of times with, with the, how I wasn't interested in the build. But I thought, like, a lot of the matches delivered. Um, You know, I didn't mention it on your show because I thought it, it, it probably wouldn't happen, whatever. And I thought it would be a curse. But I was, I was saying on Twitter a lot of the time, I was like, you know, people want the swing from Cesaro. I want the UFO to break out. And I actually got it. I was actually surprised because that's the first time he actually uh, – did the UFO. So I was actually like really excited. I thought that was a good match. Um, I bad bunny was awesome. Um, even though the, the tag match was built on comedy, I did like the psychology of the veterans, uh, keeping AJ away from Omos. And I know it came across heelish, but I looked at it as like, um, they just didn't want to get their ass kicked by a bigger guy who they, you know, have no idea what he's going to do, but I thought it all built up well until he got in. And, uh, I don't know how they're going to fare off as champions, but, uh, I just I, I I dug the match though. It was a good performance. That, that, Go that moment worked. Like almost coming in felt like a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then oh, yeah, I'll finish off with uh, uh, the main event. Man, I can't say enough. I, I I know I'm probably being hyperbolic, but whatever. I I just felt like this match needed to deliver, and I was like, oh my god, if it doesn't deliver, like the criticism on Twitter, like going, oh, they didn't deserve to main event, like it didn't deliver. I I think it exceeded my expectations. It was on another level. I think it's an all timer of a main event, in my personal opinion. Like I have to like 
go back and look at like different main events and all that. But I thought this was like one of like the best main events in a WrestleMania, and I'm so happy that they did it. I I just think it was awesome. Um, and just before I go, I want to say since I manifested the uh, UFO uh, coming to life in WrestleMania, I am hoping that Daniel Bryan, for some reason, I know I know it's not gonna happen, but I hope that he brings out Final Countdown for his entrance theme because he was hinting at a new Daniel. <laughs> if that happens, wow. I'm gonna go my shit but uh guys thanks for all the coverage man i enjoy all the shows obviously um you know it's cool kicking in even if there's a handsy imposter in the chat room it's all good or whatever but uh you know uh, thank you for the coverage and everything man i've been enjoying the show thank you thanks very much thank you thank you to both of the hansies in the chat room uh let's go to jeremy up next jeremy are you there yeah hey way hey jeremy how's it going jeremy you were at the show tonight Pretty good, yes. Uh, I was there dodging storms and watching wrestling. Well, tell us what the, the rain delay, what, what that was like. First, getting into the stadium and then the, the delay. Tell us like what you had to go through. Uh, sure. Uh, so I got to the stadium around 530, uh, and as I was walking to the stadium, uh, they came over with their first uh, uh, thunderstorm announcement that everybody needed to clear the uh, seating bowl and go out to the concourse. So... They they waved us like right on into the stadium. Um, I'm not sure if it was due to the thunderstorm coming or what, but there weren't any temperature checks at all. Uh, the questionnaire that they said we needed to fill out and show, nobody asked for that. They just scanned our tickets and gave uh, you know let us on in. Uh, and then whenever I got in the concourse, um, uh, everybody was just huddled together. There wasn't any social distancing, anything like that. So. Uh, I was kind of taken back with that <laughs> since I was right as I got in. Um, but uh, other than that, during the show, it was it was good. Um, it was, so we, we got in after that. Uh, it, it poured rain for a couple hours um, at 530. I, I stayed out in the concourse to probably about 730 uh, and then decided to, to get on in because it looked like the rain uh, was kind of stopping. Uh, so I got, got to my seat. I thought, thought we were all good. And then as soon as it goes through the big opening, then they uh, have been <laughs> another announcement to clear the stadium. Uh, it was just, uh, at least it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, hopefully, uh, <laughs> weather delayed during a wrestling show. Uh, was there ever, it, was, it was an interesting time. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's the prognosis for tomorrow? Like, it looks like, like there's a chance of this happening tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it's a really bad weekend. I mean, the thunderstorm, uh, sorry, the forecast is calling for thunderstorms all day, mm. uh, tomorrow. So who knows? I, I talked to one of the guest services people at the stadium, uh, cause I didn't know, you know, if they would be able to go on with the show. Uh, if you, know, if the fans weren't, it didn't, the fans might just, might just not be allowed in there. And they said that, that they wouldn't be able to, you know, they, they wouldn't be allowed to do anything, you know, even uh, performing wise, you know, if there were any lightning in the area, yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know what you would do if you would delay it a day or what what you do. I, I don't have any idea. I hope that I hope that they figure it out. I mean, I don't know if you you know just delayed hours or or what. It was just like a baseball game. You know, you pick it up in the middle of the night or what you do. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to the card tomorrow night a little bit more than tonight, but. To me, tonight was just really fun, just being out at a wrestling show. I, I was in the upper level, uh, so everybody there was just there to have a good time, and it was fun to just chant with, with other other wrestling fans. And there was this little boy 
he couldn't have been more than six or seven in the row behind me. And he was just, like, so, like, awesome. Like, the first match, he was cheering for Bobby Lashley the whole time. <laughs> it was just, uh, it was just, uh, it was, it was fun all, the whole night. So it was just, it was just fun being out at a wrestling show again. <laughs> That's good to hear. Were, were, were there any surprise crowd reactions from your area, at least? Uh, no, other, other than that little boy behind me, <laughs> I, I didn't expect him to be cheering for Bobby Lashley the whole first match. But uh, I, I can't really think of any. Uh, it, there were. You know, it, it seemed like people were just kind of happy to be at a wrestling show. It kind of felt maybe the same way that I was. Cause right. I, one thing that kind of surprised me was a lot of people cheered for both people in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the dueling chance back and forth, just like happy to see, you know, entering action live and the whole spectacle of, you know, of the of the event. Uh, I thought it, you know, was pulled off really, really well for you know all the stuff they had to deal with. Other than, you know, I, I wish it would would have been a little bit more safe in COVID-wise, but it's it's Florida, so I didn't expect it. But uh, even though I, I do have to say, whenever I went to AEW last night, they at least did temperature checks to get in. So, mm. no, uh, I'm not it's sure. Good to know, like that's uh, you know that's something that I think people would want to know, like that they're going to these, like how much. They are, you know, put, putting all these measures into effect, especially with something at such a larger scale here. I mean, that's to me something that, you know, people going tomorrow that weren't there tomorrow that they should know about this. Yeah. And like, like I say, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it, I, I went in, I think it was Gate C, uh, whichever one closer to Lot 6 there, if you know, if anybody going, going, and, you know, it's interested in that. Uh, but I'm not sure if it's the same thing at every gate. I'm not sure if, it, you know, they just right. didn't do it because of the thunderstorm coming and they're like the security guards were freaking out that they needed to get people undercover or what. It could have just been because of that. But I didn't see, I just didn't even see the station for it, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, yeah, definitely for people coming, you know, just be just be aware of your own, you know, your own space. It's a risk that you take. I've been fully vaccinated, so. I think I'm I'm good to go. So uh, yeah, it was just fun fun being out tonight. I really appreciate your guys' work uh, all, all the time. Well, thanks very much for the uh, the live report, and uh, fingers crossed that uh, tomorrow goes without a hitch. Uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> all right, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Thank you, Jeremy. I hope you call back in uh, tomorrow. You know, Let's the go. really lucky way that they, you know, the usual start time of WrestleMania has always been, it's been seven Eastern the last mm-hmm. few years. This year, they pushed it up to eight. I mean, had it been the normal start time this year, I mean, you would have had, they were very lucky the way it was where the delay happened right after the show started. And they were, I mean, it was 20 minutes or so. It could have been much longer if they had had the earlier start time. And can you imagine the amount of promos that they would they would no, have had to... I definitely cannot <laughs> imagine what the level of promos would have been like forty five minutes into such a delay. Oh my god. We would have had uh, a single sit down single interviews with every person in the tag team turmoil match, I bet. Everybody from night two probably coming in. A lot of uh JR and or, or uh, Jim Ross or sorry, um Jerry Lawler and, and Booker T and JBL on the panel, I bet. You know what they could have aired is that segment with Paul Heyman and Edge on Talking Smack that was amazing. It's an incredible segment. It's maybe the most effective thing going into WrestleMania. I thought it was spectacular. I hope they play it tomorrow on the kickoff. They should. They should. You they know? could spend 10, 12 minutes playing the whole thing. It would be better than, you know, whatever panel discussion I think they could come up with. So, yeah, I uh, highly recommend people check that out. Let's go up next to Rory. 
Rory, what did you think of WrestleMania? Um, it was uh, it was very very good. It was just such a weird start to the whole thing. Like it was just so strange to um, to have that wait. I've never had that wait uh, before. Like to like with the weather delay and everything like that. And and the, from there the card was kind of very difficult to sort of get into to start off with but then uh then yeah it kicked in and it was pretty good um i i watched it uh, personally from uh from a bar here in in, in melbourne uh we went in there there was people there from mcw uh the melbourne city wrestling um there was uh there was like like uh, for, well for instance like got got the free shirt and everything like that they were handing these out uh, throughout the oh. day and and uh and I, I i did a did an interview thing for what's called wwe now down under uh it's kind of like a new internet sort of show that the wwe are doing um uh, for australia uh so yeah they they interviewed me and did all that sort of stuff so um yeah you can check that check that out if you want um but um yeah it was it was a great show uh the main event can't speak highly enough of it like uh i can still hear the hair whip I can still hear that in ringing in my ear. That was just insane. That was just so intense. Um, but uh, yeah, true blood. Well, yeah, yeah. I, like that was, that was impressive. Um, uh, Shane and Braun was was what it was, sort of thing. But um, uh, yeah, no, it, like it was. Good. I'm sorry. I'm kind of curious what some of the reactions in the bar were to you know certain moments of the show, um, including like. Hulk Hogan, what was what was the response like? Well, like for, for us, like we we know what it is. Like we we just there's a bit of a groan, so, so to speak. They're just like oh, here we go, and we're just like oh, he's up there with up there with Titus, uh, which was awkward. Um, the the biggest reaction I think uh, would have been uh, Bobby uh, retaining. That was like because everybody thought. Drew has it. Drew has this one, uh, but no. To to, to see uh, Bobby uh, retain like that got an audible reaction from everybody in the bar, and um, and yeah, no, it was like that. That was a fun match. That was a very fun match, and just to, to, I'm just happy that that Bobby retained. Like I I thought there was too soon for him to lose. He looks great with it. He's got a great character going on right now. Uh, for me, I think going forward, I think it's going to be uh, going to be Lesnar. Uh, coming back on Raw, and potentially uh, maybe even a SummerSlam uh, if, if that's not too far away. Uh, but I, I can see it being uh, Lesnar and uh, and Lashley at some point uh, going forward. All right, sweet. Thank you very much for the call, Rory. I appreciate all uh, uh, the support. And you know, it's cool to hear like people's reactions to like, um, or at least like their live reactions wherever they're actually uh, watching with crowds because. I haven't had that in so long. You didn't survey the neighbors? Uh, you know, I could hear their reactions all night, so I could tell you exactly what they felt. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's go to Nick up next. Nick, what do you think of WrestleMania? Going on, guys. Happy WrestleMania weekend. And congratulations, making it big time with Bad Bunny. So what's the deal? You guys get like half of the Grammy now. You guys get some some revenue from Spotify. Everything. A Everything. third. Two thirds. of the pie. Some it's pay-per-view points, maybe. Mm-hmm. Really, the the highlight of his year, I think. I would agree totally. Yeah, I popped mm-hmm. big when I saw both your your beautiful faces up there. I I I thought this show over delivered. 
in my opinion. I had such a great time watching the show. And I think I think it's easy to get caught up when you watch WWE Weekly. It's easy to get caught up in sort of the the weekly grind of of watching these programs week in and week most out. Most of and it's then, not that great. Or a lot of it's yeah. not that great, I, I want to say. And then I think when they pay off with moments like these and they kind of let their performers let loose in this capacity, they can really deliver. And I agree with everything everyone has said. It was Sasha and Bianca to me, that just visceral moment before they 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 locked up is gonna live long in the annals of wrestling i think it's up there with uh, i'm sorry i love you i think it's up there with yes mania i think for me personally as a person of color it's gonna live up in those tip-top moments for me i think bad bunny is <laughs> this induct this band into the hall of fame right now i think he was spectacular i could not believe he did a Canadian destroyer or a bunny destroyer. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was so good to just have fun watching a WWE show uh, for, you know, a continuous stretched amount of time. I think it's really going to be interesting with the weather tomorrow. And it's something that I noticed during the Drew and Bobby match is that that canvas and the turnbuckles and the ropes were super wet. And I could tell that they were really stepping kind of gingerly and their, their boots didn't really have any traction underneath mm. them. So right. it, and eventually by the Seth Rollins and Cesaro match, the ring had kind of dried and the ropes and the turnbuckles had dried a bit. I mm. wonder if, if, you know, rain is going to be an issue for tomorrow more so than tonight. If you're going to see, you know, that sort of high risk stuff or they're going to have to audible on the fly. But I think for what the conditions they had to deal with tonight, I think they dealt with them perfectly. But I'm interested to see if like anything changes in that regard. I mean, you mentioning that actually gives me like a newfound respect for that cage match because could you imagine standing on top of that cage? Like, oh my god, no, that, I would be like, so terrified what? to do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's a very good point. You know, and, and you you wonder what sort of precautions they they have in place for stuff like that. Uh, I imagine you know wiping everything down before they, they at any moment that you can is, is something that they can do, but you can only do so much, right? So. Yeah, we'll have to see. It's a, it's another element to what, you know, potential surprise tomorrow is the weather. Thank you very much, Nick. Appreciate the call. Let's go up next to Professor Kevin. Kevin, what's going on? Hey, guys. Hey, Way. Hey, John. Um, hey, Kevin. It's pretty cool to be talking to uh, people who are actually on the show tonight. So this is this is neat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wanted to say that I, I don't watch raw and smackdown i keep up with the shows through you guys you know coming into these zoom calls uh you know listening to uh the observer and their shows that's how i keep up with the product so tonight when the show started and they went to this rain delay i was like oh man like i already like wasn't that excited about the build and about wrestlemania and to have this rain delay start the show i was thinking like oh this is gonna be a terrible night but i was watching the show with my wife and after the rain delay ended she commented to me uh, you know, you weren't annoyed at the promos. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You're right. Cause they were improvised. They were real. They were organic. It felt like they were natural. And it, and I thought that provided so much. And I just hope that going forward, there's more of that. I don't think there will be, uh, to be honest. I mean, tonight on the show itself, it felt like there was piped in noise. It felt like it was a little overproduced. Um, so I, I don't expect, uh, you know, a sudden change that they're going to, you know, be less scripted and go more of that uh, realness. But I hope they do, because I really found it refreshing. I, I'm buzzing still from the main event, from all the emotions there, because it was real. There was real emotion there. 
uh, and the main event and in the rain delay. You know, that was like the two, the bookends of the show were like where we had all this uh, real emotion. When you think about, okay, so they do have like moments where they allow their talent to improvise. And that's, you know, a show like Talking Smack, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, John and I just talked about the great, like the great result that they, they just had. But few people are going to see that because it's something that they just like relegate to, you know, the, the network or, or like a right. YouTube or something like that. This is the biggest stage possible that they could have had and th- that they've, you know, given people live mics for. And, you know, they were forced into the position. But what was the worst that happened? Okay, Braun Strowman yeah. didn't cut a great promo. So what? But you had plenty of other people cut very good promos. And Sink or Swim, I think it was compelling TV. So, like, I, I hope this gives Vince confidence or Kevin Dunn, whoever, to just let your performers speak in front of a crowd, you know? I mean, and if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's great. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather listen to Braun kind of stumble through a promo and, you know, not be, you know, it, I'd rather have that than than the choo-choo noises of him, you know, running around on the floor. You know, I'd much rather have hear him kind of stumble through a promo and have it be, uh, you know, his real emotion. Uh, I wanted to ask a, a question, though. You know, Cesaro won tonight. I saw Eddie Kingston uh, on Twitter said, uh, Cesaro is a professional wrestler. The likes we may never see again. And I know Cesaro's uh, 40 years old. He's been in the WWE for a long time. Where do you think he goes after this, after this win? He's think 40, but like he's got the body of like a fucking 21-year-old. I know. He looks amazing. Yeah, but it's it really like is... You know, it was one of the, you know, not not the biggest story going into Mania, but, you know, it was a, you know, a, a featured match that I think at the very least you try and do something with him because like God knows we don't have this, you know, this exclusive main event club where it's, oh, we just, uh, the, the numbers game, like they need people and not to say that you can, like I would do Lashley and Cesaro before I would go to uh, the Drew rematch. I I think that you like if ultimately your destination is Drew, like like go with go with Cesaro, go with um, or go with go with Cesaro. Like if you move him to Raw or do something in the interim here, uh, capitalize off of this. I think everyone will be disappointed if two months from now Cesaro is back in the in the same role and he's been able to overcome to me a big obstacle is that is when you're pigeonholed at a certain level for so long that's where the audience forever sees you and doesn't accept you any higher than that. And I think with Cesaro that they, you can largely get around that because they've never seen him go to the main event level and fail. He's just never touched that, that, that level in the company. So I I think you could certainly do something more with him. um, But I mean, that's been the case for, for years. Like we'll, we'll see what, what happens. It was it was funny hearing on commentary they say oh Cesaro has this momentum and then it stops and he has this momentum and then it stops so it's like yeah but you guys are the ones that control his momentum more or less it's, Jerry you know, Lawler Jerry Lawler said it finally feels like the fans have uh, taken towards Cesaro <laughs> are you yeah. fu- that was yeah. a stumbling like, block we've gotten over that he's Swiss finally yeah. <laughs> thanks guys thanks thank very you much Kevin for the call. appreciate the call Hochi. What's going on? What did you think of WrestleMania? Hey guys, what's going on? Um, thought the show was awesome. Actually, that main event is going. The feeling I had when that main event started, like I got chills and just like was on my feet. I hadn't felt that for a wrestling match in a very long time, probably since you know, since like a teenager when I was watching the product. So that that main event's gonna live rent free in my head for a very long time um i thought that was great 
Go ahead. How, how, how did it feel? Like, I would say the, the last time, you know, that feeling kind of came for me was Kofi mania, but yeah. I thought this was bigger than that for me. For some reason, it was like, it was the main event, I suppose. Um, and like the match I enjoyed more, more than the Kofi Kingston, Brian match. 100%. Um, I qual match wise quality match wise. It was like above Kofi mania. And I think more than anything else, I wanted to have that feeling for the triple threat in New York, like for when Becky won, like, that's mm-hmm. what I, that's what I wanted from that main event. But again, that show being six hours, everyone being exhausted at the end and that match, not really living up to that hype. Couldn't get mm-hmm. that from that. But then you add in also as well, that me being a person of color and seeing, and I, not only they mentioned it's the first time ever, two African-American women have main evented WrestleMania. But I think in general, it's just two for the first time ever, two people of color in general have ever main evented WrestleMania. I might be mistaken on that. Um, Just made it a lot more bigger for me in that sense. And to see the emotion in their faces is wow. Incredible. I just saw a video on Twitter right now. I guess they, some, a fan caught Sasha like down in the barricades, like after the match and you can see like her smiling and like, just i guess almost like on the verge of crying as well just being ha- happy about the moment and stuff it's again it's just something that's going to live in my head for a while i was going to ask you guys also john i saw that you retweeted this but they had vladimir the super fan there and apparently they're putting out a documentary about him this summer on the network what are your guys thoughts on that and i'll leave it with that thanks guys thank you yeah they just put out the trail i mean it's, it's a wwe network documentary so it's um you know, it's a cool subject matter, I think, to to do on, you know, someone that is so um, associated with WWF shows going back to God, like the early 80s, I think, is when you first see him like popping up at the garden shows and just a fixture for the longest time. I think it's a great idea. I mean, it's, you know, like you're, you're, t- you're, you're producing these things for your cult audience and it's your cult audience that recognizes and finds interest in somebody like Vladimir. Anytime, like we see him out in public, people are trying to get photos with the guy and for WWE to put their production, you know, power behind somebody like that. I think like in a way, you know, he's supposed to represent like the average person watching it. Um, to you know a very different degree who else do you think they would honor oh way way they could do these like a whole chronicle i mean green shirt guy i mean there's like the 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 whole crew is there in the front row like they were all back um yeah um the ringside jesus uh was brock lesnar guy there uh i didn't notice him there was like uh, going back like a faith no more guy um so yeah you you could go through and do a whole series on uh fans can't wait let's go to montreal kate what did you think of wrestlemania night one kate if you're there and if you're able to oh, unmute oh, unmute hello there you go yes we hey can. okay there we are <laughs> sorry no a little bit of a snafu there um yeah i the that main event was so uh so good and uh, Sasha Banks is one of the the reasons that I really got back into wrestling a few years ago. I just, because I was amazed seeing a woman do the kind of things that she was doing and sort of to, to have followed her through it and finally get to see her main event WrestleMania. And I think that this was other people said it, but I think that this was so much stronger than the triple threat. 
a couple of years ago. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that match, and I thought that it was it was made worse by the fact that the the, the call at the end was so clearly botched uh, when Ronda's shoulders were really obviously off the mat. Um, so this one, you had a botch call here too, but I mean, yeah. it, it didn't. <laughs> I guess you know, it wasn't the fault of the performers. No, no. I guess the you know, botched call is like is a little bit better. You know, they're moving up. Um, I, and yeah, going back to our point earlier about like editing stuff, I fully believe that they will clean that up uh, afterwards, and that finish will sound flawless when you watch it on the network. Oh, I'm sure Cole is re-recording the ending now as we speak. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think what was going through my head though, too, is I was watching this. And again, like as uh, this felt, as a woman, this felt like much more uh, like the first main event for women. I don't know. That that might seem a little weird, but the, the, like having just two women facing off the way you really want the, the main event of WrestleMania to be, this it, it felt more impressive to me this time around than it did a couple of years ago. Um, one of the things that kept going through my head, though, was that up until they basically, they almost got bullied into it by a lot of, I think, online chatter, they had not planned for this to be the main event. This was, they, they only announced, I think, yesterday that it was going to be the, the main event of the show. And I'm trying to think of what the audience reaction would have been. Like, say, if you just reversed the positions of this match and Drew and Lashley, like, I think that that makes the entire show a very, very different and probably a lot worse experience. I, I couldn't have seen them ending the show with, with the Lashley Drew finish the way it was laid out. Like they certain like, it's just to me, like this was knowing these finishes. I think this was the only way you could have, um, you know, bookended the show with these two matches. But I like you look at it, though, like in terms of if you're just like in 2019, like Ronda, Becky and Charlotte, like that was the match that year to close it. Like regardless, like it was not just because it was the historic nature of it. Like it was the most push program with your biggest star at the time in, in Ronda that was on that show. And for this year, like you could certainly say that like, McIntyre and Lashley had been the the bigger promoted match up until uh, the the show when they went with Banks and Sasha, but they're with Banks and Bel Air, but they absolutely made the right decision that people are going to remember this for you know the what the end product was, not so much the the weeks leading up to it. Well, I suppose another question is: Do you think that we would have had this main event if this was a one night WrestleMania? Oh. Um... No, no, I don't. Not a, not not at all. Um, I still think it would have. I still would have liked to have seen it as the main event, but no, I don't. I think that with the lineup they have, um, there's no way that on a one night, uh, the Roman versus Brian versus Edge would not be the the main event. So, this is, I guess, it's uh, it's sort of lucky that um, that mm-hmm. uh, they they have that they did they did it this year over two nights but um yeah i would say that the the last two matches on the show kind of took it from being pretty tepid to me like i i liked moments i didn't like other moments uh the last two matches really delivered i have to say that i spent the first two matches with my heart in my mouth because you could tell that they're the canvas on the mat was kind of greasy and slippery and you could tell that the ropes were you could see it right away with uh drew and and lashley 
yeah. that, you know, they weren't hitting their moves as smoothly as they usually do. And then you could really see it with the, uh, the tag team uh, turmoil match. And so, yeah, I was just staring at that going, just like someone's going to get hurt. So it was probably a little edgier for the beginning. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, uh, to me, I get the, the last two matches were made the night and, uh, uh, I, I guess I can be happy with that. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm trying to decide if I think I'm going to be more into the show tomorrow or, or less. I don't know if anything is going to top the feeling of that main event tonight, but we shall see. I don't either. Thank you so much, Kate, for the call. Hope to hear uh, from you maybe tomorrow. Let's go up next to, uh, let's go to MJ. MJ from N- uh, FL. MJ from FL. What's going on? What's up, guys? How are you? I'm buzzing. That was some main event. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what botch is being referenced because I actually, uh, so this is interesting because Peacock, you can't rewind so I had to wait for the whole show to end to actually go back and watch the end of the show. Um, so, and I so did not just, see it. Just, just so you know, uh, we're talking about Michael Cole calling or uh, mistaking the uh, last pinfall for a kickout rather than the finish. Okay. That's, that's what we're uh, that, about. that might have been part of it then. I did not pick up on that. Okay. But um, no, yeah, it was I thought not, it, was not, it, was not, it was not a move or, or anything from the performers. Got themselves. it. Got it. Got it. No, I thought that was fantastic. What a finish. What a main event. Um, wrestling is always its best when it like feels real and it brings out real emotion. And I think in this day and age, like there's nothing more real than actually knowing what it means to these performers. Last night I called in and talked about Sasha's uh, interview where she's in tears and then seeing that in real life today was, uh, unbelievable. Um, you saw Mm -hmm. it at the beginning of the show and I thought that set the tenor for what was then a very awkward first, like part of mania but the emotion was there and that played out throughout the whole night. And uh, yeah, so I'm buzzing if you guys can hear my voice, because I just finished watching this probably five minutes ago. Oh, yeah. It's a totally spectacular it. main event. I think that's uh, you know, common reaction most had. Yeah. So often um, I think they try to like fabricate these big moments of like emotion. You know, you think just think to any of the, like the major WrestleManias, like even like, I don't know, like even Brett, you know, winning at WrestleMania 10, it's like, or any of the Hogan ones, like they're, they're fabricated moments and they work, but sometimes there are so many moments that are just like genuine and realistic that are sitting right there for them to take. Kofi Mania, I thought was one of those that like eventually they realized, and this was one of them that I don't, I wonder when they really kind of, you know, decided this to be the main event, because we could have not had this moment. Um, And it was right there. This feels very uh, earned by these performers, by Bianca and by Sasha. And what I mean by that is like the, the big triple threat in New York with, or in New Jersey with uh, Rousey. She's the huge star coming in. Charlotte was very much like added to that. And people were not really sure like why she's getting thrown into this. Um, this storyline, the video package, certainly like if you were not following week to week, it was very concise and these two performers, I mean, Bianca Belair was a standout for me a few years ago in NXT, and um, Sasha's been the blueprint. I mean, that's pretty much like a, a real thing, and uh, it's just so cool seeing it. And, and I hope for uh, Kevin Owens and Sammy tomorrow, like if you were just tuning in tonight and you caught Kevin Owens' uh, brief promo, that now has this kind of emotion. Uh, I thought the Drew promo did the same thing for the main event, even though you were getting it a little bit delayed he certainly conveyed that as well as like what this meant to him, like have this moment be disrupted again. Um, Pollock, just want you to know my buddy took your advice and not only bet submission on tomorrow night's main event, 
but he did it for the men's match tonight, and that paid six to one. So uh, oh to goodness. the moon, there to the go. moon. You're halfway uh, there. Talk to you guys uh, tomorrow. Um, awesome shout out to Up Next. That tailgate was great. Um, and way great to see you there. Take care. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Got had weather reports and, and everything throughout the, the thing. It was what a lot of fun. For? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you, MJ. Let's go up next to. I believe this is Bill. Bill, somebody who was in attendance, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yes. We can All hear right. you, Bill. Um, good. And, and, so, and hold on a second. Hold on a second, Bill. John, do you recognize Bill? I do not. He he is the man responsible for bringing us to WrestleMania oh, tonight. This Bill. What's going on, Bill? Thank you for doing that. No worries. Uh, it's sad to uh, report, though, that the head gimmick has died uh, a death this <laughs> evening. Oh, dear. The, uh, what a way to go were, out, though. They were shredded by the time I left uh, the show. Uh, they were so wet. But um, it was you fun truly, while it lasted. You truly maximize the value of those things, I have to say. Because where have you? Where have they been? Uh, well, they, they made their debut at the Royal Rumble. I think it was 2017. And... Uh, they've AJ, been to Raw's. AJ Styles. Yes. Raw's, SmackDown's, uh, and, Res- and WrestleMania. Two WrestleManias, I think, actually. Uh, but the, the the Orlando WrestleMania, you couldn't see them because we didn't have as good a seats. As a matter of fact, I bought these seats just at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, because they, uh, they had a lot still for sale today. Um, I just had a couple of quick comments first off the uh, i don't know if it showed through um at the beginning of the show when all the performers were on the stage but you know they always say yeah the, the the people in the in the crowd mean a lot to us you could see it in their faces there were a lot of people a lot of performers that had tears in their eyes um having people back in the stadium um so i hope that came through on on the program Rhea, um, Rhea Ripley for sure like they closed up yes. on it yeah, I'm sure several. Yeah, we were we were right beside Rhea Ripley, and we saw that very clearly um, without the aid of a camera. Um, a couple things. Uh, I enjoyed um, the AJ Styles match with Olmos. I liked the fact that he pinned um, uh, the New Day with just one foot. As soon as I saw him standing over him, I thought, he's got to put his foot on him to pin him. So I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I agree with you guys. I have no idea where they'll go with that from this point forward with his limited skill set. Um, speaking of a skill set, I was really impressed with Bad Bunny. Um, he really, uh, you know, you heard that he was taking it really serious, but it really showed through. Uh, I think that might have been the best use of a celebrity in a match uh, in the history of the WWE. Um and lastly, I don't know if you saw it after the mat, after the main event, what a main event that was. They were, they're clearly, they were the two best wrestlers on the show, period. Um, but I don't know if you saw it. Sasha, when she was on the floor after the match, had a huge gash across her stomach from where mm-hmm. she got hit with the hair. At first, I thought that couldn't have been a real sound. Then I thought, well, maybe she had the, the, the vinyl ring gear. And then I saw that, and I and that was just crazy how loud that was. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing I wanted, okay, good. The last thing I wanted to ask is when the main event started, how was the sound on the program? Because for the first couple of minutes, it was really quiet, 
in in the in the arena. Um, it, it took some building, um, and I don't know. You guys were talking about piped-in sound. I don't know if it was really loud at the beginning of that match or quiet because it seemed to me very quiet. I could hear individuals yelling, somebody with a a, a whistle whistling, uh, things like that. So I was curious what it sounded like to you guys. You know what? Honestly, I was just kind of like lost in the moment itself that I don't know how much attention I was really paying into it, but it did not stand out to me like it was especially quiet. How about you, John? I mean, it was, um, you know, it's not like they were going going wild or anything, but I also didn't sense it was, you know, uh, completely quiet either. Um, I'd probably have to go back uh, to look at that specific part of the match, though. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And long live the heads. May they rest in peace. There you go. They're Thank you for final resting spot at WrestleMania. Thank you for everything you do for us, Bill. It's always appreciated. Our last call of the evening on this night, one of our WrestleMania post show. New Jersey, Brandon, are you there? Hey, what's going on? Good, good evening. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. How are you? How did you? Uh, I'll be brief. Well. It's, a, it's a long night, and, uh, and it's filling into the morning, and you guys look fatigued. Uh, are, but, uh, are you are you working this weekend? Uh, no, I got the weekend off. I'm so happy, elated to it's watch Marvin Vittori. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was fun, hey, man. And Dominating Jürgen Kevin got, Holland for five rounds, and Jurgen DeCastro got face planted, which is awesome. Shout out to Eric Marcote, his favorite fighter, Jurgen DeCastro. Um, I'll be brief. Uh, I love the main event. Thought it was a monumental moment. I mean, echoing everybody's sentiments. Uh, it was tremendous, and uh, I I loved the uh, almost the spot in the on the show. Uh, I thought he accounted for himself well. Uh, well. What do you think of his outfit? It was kind of like a nightclubish. <laughs> yeah, these are all these are all points that we have brought up. Uh, I I think that you know if you wanted to have gone a little further, I think that there was the natural of him doing a submission so that you could have had Kofi yelling no moss. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> All hail the king. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. And uh, one more thing. <laughs> yes, one more. <laughs> I got nothing. I, I'll talk to you. <laughs> maybe, I'll go, maybe I'll go to you earlier, Brandon, so that you, you know, people oh, will no, take no. all of your points. Listen, the, the theme of tonight's show is the pressure of going on last, okay? It's, you know, you've you been in this position a lot, Brandon, so you know what it entails. You are the main event. Brandon. I appreciate you. I love you guys. Good night. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. You notice how we never say it back? It's, it's just, I'm, it's implied. I'm just not, yeah, it's implied. Like, it's, you know, it's a very difficult thing to vocalize, but we, we, we feel the same, Brandon, as always. Uh, any feedback on the forum, John? Uh, there is. Are we going to it? Let's go to some of it. Yes, okay. we can't. We can't do all of it, unfortunately. But okay, let's. Uh, we're going to skim through these. Uh, Barack from the UK. Uh, the initial delay made for some comedy, but the show kicked off with a bang. Was surprised that Lashley retained. Seth and Cesaro put on a great match. Both looked like a million bucks. Uh, Bad Bunny gave the best celebrity performance since, since Stephen Amell, and was genuinely an entertaining watch. I wouldn't, as as Way said, put him at the the. I think Pat McAfee is the 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 high point standard. Yeah. yeah. Main event was fantastic, he says. 
Brandon from Oshawa says, really fun show tonight. Nothing was bad. I wasn't fond of Sasha and Bianca main eventing, but they pulled it off. The star of the show for me was Bad Bunny, though. I've been enjoying him since the Rumble, and his training really showed here. A lot of credit goes towards Miz and Morrison, too, for helping him look great. Ben from Vancouver asks, who do you see as the next challenger for Lashley? I see Keith Lee or The Fiend as the only new possibilities after WrestleMania. Uh, The Fiend would be a terrible idea. Keith Lee, I think, you know, once once he is good to return, I think will be put into a a prime slot. Um, I did go and look this back. So last year they didn't do the superstar shakeup after Mania. They just waited into the the draft in the fall. Um, but again, they can do whatever they want. But if you're just looking at these rosters and their current makeup, I think you have the rematch with Drew, um, and that's probably what Lashley is looking at for the immediate future. Is probably continuing this program, but. Uh, they they do need to develop some people on Raw. I don't know if, like, Orton or The Fiend are great options in their present form right now. Like, I guess Lashley moving and becoming a babyface, I think that happens at some point. But it looks mm-hmm. like they're actively trying to hold that off by what they've done lately with the Hurt Business and trying to keep him as a heel. Feels like they might be, you know, they, they all have, have, have to at least do the Drew rematch first, I, ha- I have to think. Uh, that would and- make sense. They've got, like, you know... A month until the next pay-per-view. I think it's May 16th is the next pay-per-view. So they've got they've got a full month. And maybe maybe you go to it then. All right. Let's go to Counterparts who says, I thought this way over-delivered as I thought it, this would be the weaker of the two nights. The weather del- delay didn't help, but the spot to open with the acknowledgement of the return of the live crowd was a plus. Some on-the-fly promos showed who is good at improv and who isn't. The matches themselves, with the exception of the women's gauntlet, were a lot better than expected. B from New York, uh, I'm sure flaws will be found. The entirety of the women's tag is one of them, but for the first night back for fans, it's hard to walk away from tonight without being fully satisfied. Outside of the mentioned match, everything else either lived up to expectations or exceeded them quite a bit. Timing, structure, body part, foreshadowing with the hair. Banks and Bel Air pulled off one of the best Mania main events in recent memory. What a star-making performance for one of WWE's most important rising stars. Uh, Bad Bunny, everyone involved from the four in the match to Gulak and Pierce as trainers deserve a prize for that performance. Similarly for AJ and the New Day, who made the anticipation and follow through with Omas look tremendous. And lastly, because we uh, are going a bit late tonight, let's go to Ben, who says the weather delay was a bit of a nightmare for the UK as Mania now finishing at 5 a.m. is not ideal when we have to do it again tomorrow. Mm. Wasn't their fault, but the positive was it showed the real standout promos. Kevin Owens with a masterclass. As for the matches, Cesaro and Rollins stole the show for me. Most other things were good besides the women's tag. Braun and Shane was pointless. He's jumped off way higher. So whatever he did would be a letdown. It's true. Yeah, I mean... You know, he has, let's remember he is 51. So like him, a 51 year old man jumping off of a cage is still important, but because yeah, we have seen higher. It's, you know what I thought the spot was going to be was the the shooting star press off the cage. Mm -hmm. I thought so for a second too. I don't, I don't know if I want to see that. I don't want to see that either. Like, listen to like, I, I, I was never one where like I got any kind of like great entertainment out of the Shane stunts. I understand their appeal. They're just, they're not my cup of tea, but uh, especially more so at 51. I was fine with what they did tonight. I think that's satisfactory if if you're looking for some big spot, but also wasn't, uh, you know, you're, you're not uh, frightened for the man not being able to get up because that, that is what that guy is pushing is, you know, that bump that is, you know, just too far and is much harder to get up from at 51 than 31. 
Thank you, everybody, for your feedback, either uh, through the excellent phone calls or some of the excellent feedback, uh, some of which we didn't get to. But we hope to hear from all of you patrons tomorrow, postwrestlingcafe.com, live whenever the show ends for night two. The Fiend, John. What, 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 is, what are you anticipating the most? Tomorrow, oh, certainly the main event. I think that's going to be a spectacular match between those three. I'm I'm really intrigued by that match for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, let's actually let's just take a quick glance at the the show tomorrow. We don't have to go through everything here, but we have Reigns, Edge, Bryan, uh, Oscar, and Rhea Ripley. Do you see them just doing the exact opposite of tonight, where the women's title match opens the show and the men close it? I think that would be nice. Yeah, why not? You probably want to start off with like a, you know, a very big note and I I think that would be a perfect place for it. Randy Orton and the Fiend um we'll, we'll see what they pull off here. Like you have to do something spectacular and this can be the kind of match that either um sinks the crowd or at best it's a pleasant surprise. We'll see. I I don't know. I'm not I don't have high hopes for this one. You know, if they had announced this as a strictly cinematic Firefly Funhouse match, I think I'd be a lot more excited. Uh, considering the fact that they haven't tells me that they are going to go more straightforward with this, or at least for part of the match. And that gives me concern, because um, previous instances of that between these two have not been very good. So this can really go either way, um, but I'm sure we'll be talking about it um, plenty tomorrow. Nigerian drum fight for the IC title. Kevin Owens against Sami Zayn. Obviously, you have to work in Logan Paul into this match, but they have the ability to go out there and have, like, you can tell, like, these two want to go out there and have the most spectacular match they can possibly have. It clearly means a ton to them. So I, I think everyone's intrigued in in this one. In terms of real-life emotion, like, you know, the previous caller said to me, like, this is the biggest story outside of anything creative. You know, just the real-life fact of these two best friends having a match on the biggest stage of their careers. Um, that will be a big moment. And all this other shit with, like, the documentary and Logan Paul, to me, that's just, like, on the side. And I hope it doesn't dominate the match and we just get a purely Kevin Owens-Sami Zayn match. It's on the side, but, like, the... The argument to that is that without Logan Paul, they probably are not getting this singles match. So, I mean, that comes with it. But, I mean, it struck me when um, Edge was talking about this, the fact that, and he said this in multiple interviews, like, almost take aside the storyline that we're doing. Like, here are three guys that almost, like, like have had different issues that have taken them away from wrestling. And it's like, you look at that, you look at what connected with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. What is the emotional attachment to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? It's like, you have these real life stories that are so much more compelling and deep than the storyline stuff. And it does make you question, like, tapping into that, you're going to get better emotion out of these people. Like, I to, to give, you know, some of the people that we were critical of, of like the earlier promos, I'll tell you, if there was like a personal issue, I think that's a lot easier to tap into to get like, why was Kevin Owens promo great? Because he tapped into his real life connection to Sami Zayn and he explained it. He wasn't trying to do comedy off of the announcer. He wasn't trying to get a witty one liner in. And that's what so much of the promos are consisted of. It's like it's like a match structure where our high spot is a comedic line so that there's something chantable after or we get in a joke for the announcers to play off of. Like that is the structure of so many of these promos. And 
I think if you were to tap into this, you would really engage people and you'd engage your performers too, because they're going to sink their teeth into it that much more because it is real to them. And it's almost like the fact that edge is in this main event on this 10 year anniversary that I'm sure he was the one that put the two together. That's a pretty interesting thing that I would say most people that have been watching TV wouldn't even know that fact, much less like you've introduced that as like, what incredible timing you could not possibly plan that it's fallen into your lap. But I I can't say like they've done a whole lot with that aspect of the story. Completely agreed. But you know what? If the match is great, we won't, we won't think about any of that stuff. And then Riddle and Sheamus and the women's tag title match. Those are our seven matches that we have announced. So probably like a similar showtime to tonight. And I would think that they are, they have to be thinking of contingencies. Uh, like, you know what can happen and you have to be prepared for this tomorrow that there could be a delay, could be longer. Maybe you'll escape things scot-free. Maybe you'll get lucky, but you at least have to have, I guess, plans in place. Uh, and I would imagine they're not going to be just scrambling for promos again. I would think that they have an effort of, this is if we're delayed 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes. You kind of have to have over the next 24 hours, those plans. I think whatever panel is doing the kickoff will be prepared to go very long because um, there's a very good po- Michael Cole, you know, again, uh, and Byron Saxton and Samoa Joe will be probably be told to prepare to go long. Um, hey, Joe, we need you to do sit downs with everyone on the card. Just in case we need to run them. Would not be so bad. Would not be such a bad use. Yes. Riddle, tell me about this scooter. Is it something that you're just trying to get to the destination, but you're not sure how to get there? All right. That is going to wrap up our WrestleMania (laughs) post show. Thank you to everyone. It was a packed Zoom room tonight, uh, which we will be open to all patrons tomorrow. So uh, it should be a big show tomorrow to cap off. WrestleMania weekend. Uh, I just want to end off by uh, sending a big uh, shout out to John Ceno, uh, Andrew Thompson, Eric Marcotte, who did a uh, phenomenal work all, as always, but especially uh, this weekend uh, covering a ton of stuff. Uh, we have it all up on the website. John Ceno watched uh, like 10 million hours of pro wrestling over the Blood last couple sport, of days. Uh, spring break, uh, impact hardcore justice uh, reports from all of those shows up from Ceno right now. Yes. If we have time tomorrow night, maybe Way and I will give our thoughts on Ricky Shane Page and Nick Gage, which both of us watched at a extremely late hour last night. I have actually not watched yet, so maybe I'll go. Well, ahead you did and not watch it. Okay. I watched well. the. I watched most of uh, Spring Break though, so I haven't gone there. Did you see uh, Jimmy Lloyd in the front row? I saw him during the show. Yeah, yeah. I think he was doing a show after WrestleMania tonight too. Wow. Okay. I hope he got the, out of there in time. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you to everyone for joining us live. We're back Sunday night right after WrestleMania. Night two. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.